terrorist mutants who plan to destroy the human race. Mutants. I hate them. It has come to my attention that you have a mutant power. He's a mutant, a stinking mutant. He doesn't deserve to live on the same planet as normal, decent human beings. Get away from me, beast. Don't you remember what it was like when you first discovered you were a mutant? Magneto, Professor X. The X-Men. Welcome to my island. See the palm trees waving the wind. Welcome to my island. Hope you like me. You ain't leaving. Welcome to my island. See the palm trees. taken refuge in an abandoned train yard that we've lined with outdated sentinel tech to hide us from orcas janos has set up a radicalization room in an abandoned train car where he's a clockwork oranging people to have them watch films like metropolitan or a dog day afternoon until they're at least as radicalized as we are holly is spreading pamphlets to our newest recruits and rescues about the healing power of magic and explaining the limbo amnesty process. Kiwi has a huge chalkboard where he he's brainstorming our rebel team name. Most are crossed out, like Exacerbators, Extrapolators, Exters Laboratories, and Ex-Spouses. None are quite hitting right yet, but we'll get there. And I've been feeding the bones of Orcus beehives to any stray dog that's hungry as I accumulate an army of hounds. Welcome to Hated and Feared. This week, we've got a lot to talk about, don't we, y'all? We got so much. I was worried for a second that you're going to say Metropolis, because I haven't actually seen that one, but I do like Metropolitan, so... I think Metropolis is also, like, a bit, like, pseudo-fascist, or, like, at least... Uh... You know, I mean, the the director was Jewish, but it was, like, it's that whole thing about, like, all the German movies and around that time, like... Uh, ir- Regardless of what the director's personal opinions were, had like those like proto-fascist like thoughts in them, yeah. But uh, yeah, Metropolitan's good. That's uh, I I like the director's next movie, Last Days of Disco, even better. But it's a bit less uh, maybe. I just remember you recommending Metropolitan yeah, yeah. to me in um like the movies and shows Discord. Yeah, it's one, one of those Bingu. like that guy has made like. Just a handful of movies, but they're all, like, basically the same of just, like, really thinly veiled, like, disgust for these, like, upper class, uh, yuppie people. It's, uh, it's very, like, I think Last Days of Disco is, like, even meaner than Metropolitan. Alright, that was, uh, that was a fil- film corner. How are you feeling this week? Yeah, how's everybody doing? Uh, I'm... Um kind of tired and i didn't read all the comics like four times like i usually did i read them like 20 minutes ago because i got (laughs) off a plane a couple hours ago what was it like seeing cm punk it was really good it was really really fucking good 
Um, I was, uh, yeah, I went to All In, which is a wrestling show in Wembley Stadium with 80,000 people. And uh, it was really good. And I also went to a RevPro show the day before with like 4,000 people. And uh, I got to see Tomohiro Ishii do a match, which is what he's, he's one of my guys. I, I was very, it's like, he, he did like the most uh, generic uh, Ishii match that like, you know exactly every spot he's going to do. And I was still like, oh, this is the best match I've ever seen. Because uh, <laughs> seeing live wrestling is just like, Ten times better than uh, like watching it, um, and yeah, because of that, I'm I might not be as uh, up to date <laughs> on stuff, <laughs> but I'm I'm doing all right. Also thought thought that my flight might get cancelled, but then it wasn't, so that was cool. I had to enjoy the 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 beautiful city of London, everyone's favorite uh, city. I, it was actually very nice and I had a great time and <laughs> it was it was good to uh, like Dub- Dublin has buses and they're alright and uh, it just uh, having having the trains and just being able to go like anywhere within not that much time was like damn yeah we should we should figure that shit out. It's been twenty years since they like proposed a metro in Dublin, and uh, it's still hasn't been built, or it hasn't even been started. <laughs> this leads into my favorite transport fact to tell people about London, which is fifty percent of England's transport budget is spent within the city of London. Which is why its public transport is so good, and the rest of the UK's <laughs> is so bad. That makes uh, sense. Yeah, I love yeah. hearing chess stories about uh, about having to take the bus, and like every time it's never coming. Oh, it's it's <laughs> it's Bristol and Wales as well. Like that's 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 an unfortunate transport situation too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've taken the bus in like Bristol once. And it was. I used to use the trains in LA, so I feel all of your pain. <laughs> I've been to London like three times because they used to have very cheap flights there from here. Uh, I, I don't uh, think they have them anymore. Uh, flights over are like 20 euro from Dublin. Oh, nice. Um, but, uh, so there's another... Uh, there's a new Japan show in October and I was kind of considering like what if I got a cheap 20 euro flight over in the morning and went to the show <laughs> and then got a cheap like midnight flight back uh, but that doesn't actually work and also that would it would still be quite a waste of money because I would be paying for the fucking rev pro, or the show, wrestling tickets as well but I was like in, in the heat of the moment I was considering <laughs> doing that it's enough about <laughs> wrestling and your holiday um there's i think the only piece of x-men news that is important is uh we had an announcement that victor laval and benjamin percy are going to write a wolverine sabertooth 10 issue crossover event thing well not event but crossover 
Um, yeah. That's very exciting. We're uh, all looking forward to Benjamin Percy having a co-writer and maybe tightening his shit up a little bit. <laughs> it's only ten issues. He's got to move quicker. <laughs> it's going to be ten issues that come out twice a month, so I'm curious what that's going to be. Oh, like I, did, I didn't notice, or I didn't hear that it was uh, bi-monthly. That's yeah, it's going to cool. be another, like, we have this five-month block now, and then there's going to be something in December or not, and then after that there's going to be another five-month block for those. So I am um, so hopeful <clears throat> for it, because obviously, love Victor Laval's Sabretooth stuff. Benjamin Percy has proved that he is, like, a good writer, and he does some good Wolverine stuff. And it, the, like, uh, half a year ago now or whatever, there was a brief point where Wolverine was in the pit and we saw a Sabretooth echo. And I was like, well, that could have been a lot more. And it looks like it's going to be a lot more. So I think it's going to be great. I I hope. <laughs> <laughs> I want to share, like, the dumbest mm-hmm. comment I have seen about any comic news ever, which is when that <laughs> thing got announced, someone quote-tweeted that news, because it was going to be called, it's going to be called, uh, Sabretooth War. Um, some people quote-tweeted that with saying, why does it always have to be a war? <laughs> <laughs> like, what do you want these two guys to do with each other? Like, I'm, I... I don't know fuck. what the issue is there. They want him to fuck. I don't want... Uh, I, I, as uh, much yeah, as I support Yahweh in my X-Men comics, the one <laughs> the one I don't want to be in, to have involved is Sabretooth, so... Yeah. Um, uh, I've googled X-Men news, and it's given me the seven X-Men movie actors most likely to return in Deadpool 3 cast, so I think we've covered everything that could need talking about. We didn't talk about the new editor coming on because that got deleted in last week's episode. Does anyone have thoughts about that? No. I'm just like not sure about what it's going to be. It's too early. It is extremely early. It's not coming on for like six months or something. Yeah, I think the only thing that it's got, it got, we had a specification since then where he said, yeah, I only announced it because there were leaks about it, but it's like very, very in the future. Like Kieran Gillen posted that the thing I had planned is gonna, like, the the, the time I, I plan to stay on the X-Book is gonna end by the time he takes over, so it's not gonna affect any of Immortal. F- to me, that means that they're gonna wrap up the whole current Krakoa arc with um, with Jordan leaving, and I think because <laughs> the Krakoa books have made the X franchise more financially successful than anything before. And Tom Brevoort is a guy who wants to make money for the company. So I don't think they're gonna nuke Krakoa forever. Yeah, I think no, Krakoa is gonna be incorporated after that still. Uh, it's just gonna be a different status quo, so it's all fine, I think. Uh, yeah, so do we want to talk about the first book? We're gonna talk about X-Force number 43 first. Does anyone want to read the summary? Yeah, sure, I can read this one. Uh, Sage leads X-Force in surveillance of the Hellfire Gala from afar. Although under her new leadership, the rest of the team isn't exactly listening. 
Deadpool ditches them from the party and Quentin is having trouble using his powers. Domino investigates Colossus' farm while he is at the gala discovering his betrayal and the murder of Kayla. Colossus orders the team to stay where they are as the massacre occurs, then leads them into a trap set up by his brother in Russia. Um, my, my first note that I have to say about this is, like, I, I understand why they did this, which is the, you know, the map they had when it was like, here's where every, all the series are going to be after Fall of X. And it was like, you'll never believe where X-Force is going to be. <laughs> Obviously, they didn't want to reveal where they are, but it's like, yeah, they're in Russia. Like, <laughs> That's kind of an obvious place to lead to, to bring. I, I would be it's mad if X-Force it were, if it were Russia, not Russia. place for them to be. <laughs> like, if they, had, if, they, if they were like, no, let's, let's sit out the payoff on the Colossus plot for, like, after Tom Brevoort takes over for like, X-Force 90... <laughs> We're actually in Rhode Island. We're not in Russia. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is the 43rd issue of a series. That's wild. Yeah. X-Force. It's, it's, it's selling. That, that is one thing about the Victor Laval on Wolverine. I want like all the people who are only buying Wolverine and X-Force to read about like medical racism and like yeah. get radicalized by <laughs> um, Victor Laval talking about the, the history of like f- fascist practices in America and how they relate to Krakoa. Like, yeah, yeah, go on. That'll be good. Um, yeah, that is a more common thing than I thought that there are people out there who read Marvel comics, but the only X-Books they read are X-Force and Wolverine. I, I, I think you'd do better with, like, any other two books. You two, like... Not it's that like I... there's, there's also the people who just exclusively read Spider-Man yeah. and get mad about it, and they're, they're like a whole other subset of Marvel people. It's just... I, I just don't... I mean, Spider-Man is, I've been, this is a thing that's, I've been, that occurred to me recently, is reading Spider-Man is just such a bad idea because it's the one that comes out twice a month, under one writer, like, I I think, you know, I loved Zeb Wells Hellions, and if the Spider-Man thing is not up to his standards, it's because he has to write twice as much, like, I think having one writer write a thing a whole issue every two weeks. That's insane. The pace of Spider-Man comics is just... It's wild. I, I don't know how it... It makes sense why um, good writers get worse when they write Spider-Man because <laughs> they have to write twice as much. And under more pressure. It's... Yeah. Yeah. Um, X-Force. Yeah. <laughs> Colossus's uh, gala outfit is pretty good. X-Force. I think this was a good issue. Like, at this point, like, every... At this point, I feel like every issue of X-Force we read is just gonna be, like... <sighs> it's like an opposite version of a, of, a, of a sunk cost fallacy, where it's, like, it's not that we want to enjoy it because we've read so much of it. I just feel like at this point, everything that happens in X-Force, like, even if it's actually moving on and if it's actually a great issue, 
I'm gonna be like, but why did it take so long to get here? <laughs> like on its own, <laughs> this is really good. It's just the whole context of it is like. Yeah, okay. I mean, I don't mind entirely because like it is pretty rare that we get like a slow book like this this yeah. these days. Um, and I do like like the interactions between the team that are going on here. Um, but not a lot happened this issue. So I I really liked this one in part because not a lot happened and we got a lot of Colossus in the the build up to like the like last few pages of the issue where like things happen. Yeah, finally. The scene where uh Professor X comes up behind him at the bar and he's Very shaking, good. like Colossus's hand is shaking while he holds his drink, and Professor X says something about how steady he is. That was good shit. He comes across so sinister, like the the professor comes across so sinister in that <laughs> moment. It's it's really good. He leans in and you've got Colossus's reflection in the helmet as well. And Colossus is just, you know, manipulated and lying through his teeth. And and Professor X is like, I think that was very wise of you. Let's keep our shadows away from the light, yes? This fucking, like, <laughs> it, I mean, remember when at the end of Hellions, right, he was just like, yeah, let's send, let's send Nanny and let's send this, like, these, like, this, like, broken character who freaked out and killed everyone. Let's send him to the pit. Like, I feel like the professor's whole treatment of, well, you know, the, the whole thing began with Amnesty, right? Uh, the whole Krakoa thing. And then every time, like, with the Hellions, yeah, let's give them to Mr. Sinister and let's, uh, let's, let's have him occupy the problem cases. And in this one, he's like, yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily want, um, uh, Deadpool and, um, Old Man Omega having, you know, <laughs> caused trouble at the Hellfire Gala. So it's a good idea to not have any of our, like, security force at this gala where nothing bad would happen. It's just, like, sweep sweep it all under the rug. Yeah. And, like, let's, uh, let's just pretend we're not doing any of this stuff and uh, let's, like, just, just hide it away. Yeah, absolutely. And Quentin is lost his powers basically like they're they're kind of pathetic right now so well quentin is quentin's an old man uh who is choosing his young body uh as his vessel basically so he is like old quentin without like you know he's not not so much depowered as it's an old man in a young man's body <laughs> I like the effect of like his glasses being kind of squiggly. Yeah, because he's oh, yeah, like that's great. He, he can't hold it together as well. Were his powers kind of dodgy in the future stuff? I I don't think he had any. Yeah, I think uh, if or I remember like, correctly, he was because of time travel. I think he was just I like very they old. Were and like fine. Yeah, I think he was just old. That's like <laughs> the only thing that was. Yeah. going on with him and then he was like their guide and he was kind of all over the place like with his memory maybe or I'm making that up I'm not sure oh he had some memory problems for sure uh, in, yeah in the he also had like the, the weird cerebro evil cerebro thing inside him for a bit there's also uh, it's kind of similar there's like the black tom uh, 
like weird like underwater thing that he just like brings up to like hang out beside the island where they're it's like where <laughs> they all are that looks really cool that's a cool yeah. design yeah great um, art um i the art on this is great i think the oh it always is the, i love all the colossus stuff in this yeah he he just has so many good facial expressions like through this whole thing sorry yeah yeah this is basically what I was gonna say. It's again like this. This is this is a an, a neat marriage of like the the narration of Klaus's internal thoughts, which he's never allowed to say or feel, and the art, which is you know how Colossus attempts to strain against this horrific mind control he's been under for like a year or so now. Um. And um, it, it all goes wild. Uh... Yeah, the I think the only character we haven't really gotten like established what their deal on X Force is yet is uh, is Laura's is Wolverine's Laura. Um, yeah, because she like just hasn't had much time on the team since she joined it. So I'm is interested she, in seeing that is in, in the this. future. No, she's yeah. in this. I'm not saying she's not in this. I'm just saying <laughs> no, no, she I forgot. Had... <laughs> Yeah, she no, but like, she like I don't think she says anything. All is she? Did she ever formally join? Because I think originally it was like, no, fuck it, f- fuck you. I'm not gonna join X Force, especially like not now. And then they she just kind of ended up on the mission, nevertheless. And I guess she's just sticking around now. She's just like in the background, basically the entire issue. Yeah, she's like leaning against the wall while they're having the meeting. Yeah, I think she's just, like, very reluctant to come along Engage. with this. Uh, the the team gets split in half here, because uh, at the end of it, like, Colossus, uh, Kid Omega, Omega Red, and that's confusing, you have <laughs> uh, those two on one, uh, and Wolverine end up in Russia. It has Deadpool, Domino, and Sage on the cover for the next issue. So I guess that's gonna be... I guess we're gonna, like, do a bit of, like, split team situation, which might give, like, Wolverine a bit more to do. Yeah, they're fighting some, like, Wolverine-type sentinels. I I really like that the Mikhail and Russia plot uh, doesn't end up being also linked to Orcus. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I I quite like that. Like separately, um, he was also planning an attack for the same day at the same event through through manipulating portals, and it all gets messed up because Orcus executes their attack like five minutes yeah, it's earlier. Very, <laughs> it's very funny that they don't like they kind of like they kind of get fucked over by Orcus. Like they just. They just pulled the trigger too late on this, like uh, the Russians. I mean, like uh, you know, on the on a meta level, it's like Ben Percy pulls the trigger on this by the time the Hellfire Gala happens. But it's kind of funny that it worked out that way. Yeah, I I I like it as a beat. It it it's um, I think it <clears throat> sells the like sort of. Um, 
Orcus sort of succeeding, taking uh, all mutants by surprise pretty well, because it also ends up taking Colossus and through that Mikhail by surprise, and that appears to let whatever uh, the author, the writer, what's he called? The Scrivener? The Chronicler. The Chronicler. An opportunity to sort of move Colossus in a way that puts it to uh, uh, his and Colossus's apparent advantage, uh, or at least disrupting Mikhail's plans. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting that it's like they're they yeah they are, are they're being moved against Mikhail. Like there's a bit of rebellion happening here or something. It seems. Yeah, is the chronicler rebelling against Mikhail? Is that what that's what happened? That what's happening? That's that's how it read to me. There's a bit about it in an info page, right? Oh, maybe there is. Uh, um, yeah, there is a chronicler sequence. Yeah, it's a it's a page written by Mikhail addressed to the chronicler. And it's him being like, I know you hate this, and I don't give a shit. You got to remember who I am, type deal. Um, mm. But you know, confidence before the fall and all that. <laughs> is Colossus like free of the mind control once they're in Russia, or is he saying that because he says like he says to them, "Our plans have changed. Everything has changed, and I don't know where we go from here." Like, is that him like being free from it, or is that still like the chronicler saying him that? ambiguous i think i feel like we'll find out next issue whether that's him being freed or whether this is how the chronicler is writing through it yeah or or is it sort of the chronicler talk talking to the rest of them but it's also what sort of what colossus would be saying like because he he he's writing in character yeah it seems like finally the uh, especially with um, earlier the get out of our way Colossus and him being I'm not here to stop you I'm here to lead the charge uh, sort of like the chronicler in his like um, the way that he can rebel and Colossus finally being able to exert something that resembles his own real agency might finally be aligned um, my only other comment on this is why hasn't Domino done this earlier? Why <laughs> it's been it's been like I I get like it's it's a thing that w- would necessarily move the plot forward, but like in this she's like I'm gonna skip out on like important X Force stuff to go and do what Piotr told me to do like a year ago. I'm gonna do it while the Hellfire Gala is happening. Well, the textual reason is that she didn't entirely know something was off with Colossus, with Colossus until um, they were in the future, and he was able to break away from the uh, Chronicler's control just enough to tell her like one thing, and then they come back to the present, and he loses his self-control entirely again, like before he's even able to finish what he was saying to her. I feel like they came back like on Hellfire Gala Day or something. Like, I, I guess. I think. Yeah. So, like, 
the rest of the team was helping Wolverine out with Beast while they were in the future. So, like, it makes mm-hmm. sense that they would come back at least close enough to the Hellfire Gala. I I can accept this. I I that 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 works. It is <laughs> so funny that she's just like. Uh, yeah, I'm just gonna go for a walk, and like it'll, I'll, I'll, fi- I'll figure out why I'm going for a walk. But you know, I've just got the, got the hunch. It is also the one time she can be like entirely sure that Colossus is not gonna like show up at his own home while she's snooping around. Although, like her powers luck, Good point. so like odds are he wouldn't. I'm kind of wondering how whether like by the time the the Russian side of the team is done. Uh, is done with Mikhail uh, if the portal is still gonna work by then or if it's already gonna be like post-Hellfire Gala and they're just stuck. Oh, I I feel like the portal is like locked right behind them as yeah, they walk through. Yeah. Stuck. Do we want to move on to Let's Iron move on, Man? yeah. I mean, the reason why we yeah. why we started with this one, dear listeners, because I'm not sure if we established this is because this, this one happens chronologically first, so we're gonna move to the one that happens like Right after, (laughs) two two hours later. (laughs) Yeah, this Iron Man nine picks up right after Iron Man eight, which picked up right after the Hellfire Gala. So there's stuff, there's things happening in Iron Man that happened before X Men twenty five, basically, and then everything else is gonna be after that. Okay, who wants to read the summary for Invincible Emma Frost? (laughs) Uh, I'll go for it. Um, Tony uses Thor and Cap to convince Phalong to leave him be. Uh, he returns his armor to Phalong as per court order, then meets Emma in the sewer where they decide to have her play Hazel Kendall, his brunette assistant in secret. Tony sort of proposes to her, and Emma takes them to the Hellfire Club where Wilson Fisk, the new White King, is waiting. Very smooth of you fixing my errors in the middle of that. Great job. Um, uh, we're in we're in Jerry Duggan corner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, we'll have this and one more Jerry Duggan issue uh, this week. Yeah, because uh, uh, like it's um something that's that I mean has has become clear is that like. Uh, the, the the little Jerry Duggan corner of like X Men, um, Uncanny Avengers, Iron Man, and like the initial Hellfire Gala, it all links together a lot more directly than than the rest of the stuff does. Like th- there are panels which I believe are meant to be like the same panels that are in other comics here. It feels like Gary, Jerry Duggan is kind of driving the main plot of the xbox if we can say that so like everything else even though like i don't know it's like he's giving he's giving the backbone and everything else is gonna be like stuff that happens around them that is often more interesting or more exciting but we have these jerry issues to kind of anchor us in the orcas plot and in the you know main x-men plot basically yeah, like, it's a good issue of comics, but not a lot happens, and it kind of retreads a lot of what happened in, like, either the last issue of Invincible Iron Man, or, like, 
stuff we're seeing in other books. So it's not <laughs> super consequential, IMO. Yeah, we don't need to talk about this a lot. Like, it's a good, like, connecting tissue to set up uh, their upcoming wedding. Uh, you know, give a bit more character moments between them. Uh, I really like the scene where, like, where he's, like, very down and then Emma goes into her head. And he's, like, uh, you know, he he looks like his dad. <laughs> Like with the <laughs> with the mustache instead of the goatee and the like slick hair and everything, extending oh, around yeah. with all these Iron Men. Yeah, I, I think and it it does a good job of like putting putting the two of them on the same side and like, uh, you know the what is it like? Yeah, to their death as like the the sort of wedding vow nearly is a good like. Yeah, this is this is why they're linked and why they're more directly linked in a next month. Um and it is like I, I you know, we will we'll see if there is any sort of romance beyond this. But it is like, yeah, we've we've got this common goal. Let's let's go kill some people. Yeah. I mean, just to clarify, because I kind of breezed over it when writing the summary, like, the proposal scene is them in the sewer, um, and uh, Tony has made a ring that is going to hide Emma's powers from being detected by Sentinels, and that's, like, the wedding ring, or the engagement ring. Um, and it's cute, and you know the wedding's coming because everyone's seen the cover by yeah. now, so it's like, ooh, you know? Yeah, that's like one of those things, like I, I, I read Jared Duggan say about the wedding thing, is that giving the wedding away is one of those things that they like to do in comics, where we have to reveal shit for the, uh, for the solicits, so we're gonna reveal the parts that will get people talking, but isn't actually, it's kind of like lampshading away from the main big reveals that we want to do. So I think like a wedding isn't is a is a good like an easy thing for that to be like everyone you know just to get everyone talking even if it it turns out to be like whatever. They they literally did this a few years ago with uh, Kitty and Colossus's wedding, mm-hmm. um, which it was like a big big event, and also there was like the you know, secret series that was going to come out afterwards that they weren't doing in the solicits. And then the wedding gets stopped. I don't remember why. And uh, Rogue and Gambit get married instead. And then the secret <laughs> series was uh, Mr. and Mrs. X, which was Rogue oh, and Gambit-like yeah. book. Um, so that's the same sort of thing of like, yeah, we're... The, the solicits are all about Kitty and Colossus's wedding, so we can sneak in and do Rogue and Gambit instead, and then you get, like, actually a bit of a, a surprise out of it. Um, that is also what it feels like here, of like, oh yeah, we're we're gonna do this wedding, and it's like, it's not, it's not, that's not gonna be the big event of yeah, that. Yeah, of course. Or, like, I mean, it, it'll be what happens, I mean, they did a... Be, other stuff that's more important. They did a great job with like distracting away from the big thing at the Hellfire Gala. So, yeah, yeah. I think the only wedding that's gone well is North Stars. 
Yeah, that was a thing yeah. that, like, I heard, like, Connoisseur Bro complain is that, uh, they, they love to marry off their gay characters, so they don't, like, fuck around, and I think there's also a thing where, like, you, if you do a gay wedding, it needs to be hashtag representation, so you can't that, like, go awry immediately, or that be a trick. <laughs> I mean, it. I think at the end of it, Northstar ends up becoming the leader of the X-Men, so it is substantial in some way, but I haven't read that comic since I was maybe yeah. 14, so... <laughs> um, the, other, the only thing I have to say about this also is that uh, Emma's hair still looks, like, perfect. Like, she looks amazing for being down in the sewer while Tony looks like complete <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, I think it's very good. Um, I have. It's like she she doesn't even get any like helmet hair from the the Iron Man suit or anything. <laughs> she was in there for like an hour, <laughs> but like yeah, of course she'd she'd figure out a way to not like appear bedraggled ever. Well, she can use her power to change like Tony's perception, so presumably she is bedraggled. Maybe. Um, well, her nose but... is still broken. <laughs> Her nose is still broken, yeah. The thing I'm, I want to say is my favourite little exchange of dialogue in this, because the, the, the real good parts of this issue aren't like the plot stuff. The plot stuff is, weirdly, thanks to the quirks of comic book publishing, uh, all the, 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 the big final page reveal and almost everything else in this issue is stuff that has been directly stated in other comic books that have come out before this. Um, but I think, again, the best stuff is the Emma and Tony dialogue bits, like, especially, like, uh, when Tony's like, all of this could have been avoided if you'd listened to me at your previous key party when I said that Phelong was outmaneuvering you. Uh, to which Emma responds with just a great, like, it's a, it's a really good Zoom panel of just, like, her eyes and her face and she goes you unctuous insensitive rube <laughs> how dare you lecture me today of all days it's you who should have been listening to me we never underestimated any of these ghouls but we made a promise to each other not to kill any of you small-minded humans uh, which is great because if there's if there's anyone who is pro-murder um, if it's for the right cause, it's Emma. And Tony being like, you fool, you should have listened to me. And Emma being like, you you absolute idiot. If people had listened to me and we'd just been killing people, none of this would have happened. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm losing it at you calling the Hellfire Gala a key party. It's, so <laughs> it's, it's in the dialogue. It's that's great. What, that's what he says, yeah. Oh, that's what okay, Tony okay. says. <laughs> Which is I also a, it which reading. is a very Tony thing to call it that exactly. Like I think the 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 dialogue, the moment to moment dialogue between Emma and Tony through the whole issue is just really good. Like it's good to read. I say this every time. It's crazy how good like Jerry Dagan is specifically at writing Emma. Like Emma and Kitty are like his two characters that he has down like so perfectly. He's doing a really good job at writing Tony, too. Like, I've been reading the Jason Aaron um, Avengers recently, which I don't know why I'm doing. I'm not really enjoying yeah. it. <laughs> um, but I feel Tony, like nobody likes that run. I don't think Tony it's going to even matter, because everyone hates that run so much. This is like, the, 
this is the only thing I, like, am super pissed about, is Tony literally keeps sexually harassing Captain Marvel, and it, I think it's supposed to be charming for his character, but he just keeps seeing, being like, do you want to make out? And she'll, like, punch him in the face, and it's like, this comic came out in 2018, not 2000. Like, we know that's bad at a workplace. <laughs> we know Tony's going to HR for that one. Thanks, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> Jason Aaron oh. seems like one of those writers who is like very past his time like of a different era I do want to say uh, going back to the thing we were kind of talking about with how people only read Wolverine and X-Force I think the stinger at the end of this with Kingpin showing up is very much like for people that do not are not reading the other X-Books yes, while that's Iron true. Man is an X-Book um, and it, it, if I were in their position, I'd be like, it's time to fucking read this shit. It is time for me to figure out what's going on. Yeah. I mean, with the, with the wedding, they definitely, like, with having the half cover, like, I think you've got to read, like, the X-Men issue of the wedding and the, and the Iron Man issue of the wedding. Like, I think that's what they're trying to do uh, to get them to read both. You know, you got to get both so you can display the joint cover on your wall. Yeah, frame it up. You can frame it, yeah. <laughs> That's all I have to say about Invincible Iron Man. <laughs> I, I think that covers yeah. my thoughts on, on Iron Man 2. Or Invincible Iron Man, not Iron Man 2. Yeah, let's not talk about <laughs> Iron Man 2. <laughs> I have zero thoughts about Iron Man 2. The, the one with Elon Musk in it. <laughs> no, I think that, that was three. Was no, it? I think no, that two. was three. No, it's two. Um, I should, okay. I'm not. I don't I watch Marvel movies. And explain the exact scene, <laughs> uh, but I'm not going to. Uh, <laughs> I will say though that he, every time Elon Musk's name or he appears in something, he specifically paid to do that. Right. Let's move on to the next book. X Men Red fourteen, uh, written by Al Ewing, and uh, the art is by Yildere Sinar. After the return of Genesis and the splitting of the Great Ring, civil war has broken out on Arako between her faction of traditionalists and the rebels led by Storm, with Iska and the Locust Vile as, a nu- as neutral parties defending their separate lands. Ten weeks after the gala, Storm's forces win a battle in the Valley of the Fallen, but are anticipating an attack on Port Prometheus. Hey, hey, you guys heard about X-Men Red? It's pretty good. Yeah, this Ewing is, well, like, being... Se- I mean, he already was, but he's he's getting his, I don't know, second or... Th- like, he, he's going to rule Marvel for, like, the next <laughs> couple of years. Like, with Immortal Thor starting now and the Avengers Inc. thing also starting, like, in two weeks. Or so he's still writing the uh he's still writing Venom and Red. <laughs> I th- I think he's off Venom now. Um Yeah, I think he's I think he was just covering for a while. He's either getting um, a co writer or gonna be completely off, but yeah. I think the next one is gonna be co written um, with by someone else. But yeah, he's and I'm very hopeful that he gets to keep just doing cool shit. Like, yeah. <laughs> give, give him the whatever ultimate X-Men you do as well or <laughs> like mm-hmm. I mean luckily he seems to be very 
uh, into the Marvel mythology in a way where, like, you know, Kieran Gillen is always like, uh, I, I love this shit, but uh, Marvel is always like a, a, a thing in between creator owned projects. So I think, like, you know, he just wrapped up Once in Future, once his next new project will start, it's going to be off. Uh, off the Xbox and probably off Marvel again for a couple of years. I think L. Ewing is very. Like he's basically doing creator-owned stuff at Marvel, like uh, yeah, like uh, Marvel is I, where he seems to want to be. And... Yeah, and I really hope that like whoever is in charge is like, you know, valuing that, like paying him <laughs> uh, enough that he sti- he sticks with them. Because yeah, I don't know where they would be without him now. I actually I read uh, the we only find them when they're dead his uh, image comic or no it's boom uh i had read the first 10 issues ages ago and then while i was on holiday uh i read through the whole thing again um it doesn't doesn't hit like quite the same highs because i think he's so good at like using 50 years of history to do stuff but it's still it's a very cool comic as well and fantastic art um i think it's simone de mio um it's just lovely um yeah the art's great there's a couple really incredible like two-page spreads in here too like there's one on the very first page and then there's one in the middle i think this is where slaps and this is where uh yielded art takes over from i think the last issue was also not stefano caselli because caselli moved on to the main next book uh, but yeah, I think last last issue was the first. Yeah, uh, but the quality is very consistent. Like it's not just it's not just that it's still very good, but also like very seamlessly continues Caselli's style. There's like kind of a generic Marvel vibe to yeah. styles, and this one is absolutely like in that space, and so it does end up being it. I think safer than some other books get in terms of like jumping from one artist to another, but it is still really hard for artists to do that. And I'm blown away by the, this book's art. Um, and like, especially the expression work of the characters in these, in the red lagoon scenes, like yeah. there are so many different ways they like have managed to draw them all being upset. And that's hard. <laughs> <laughs> upset but still sympathetic it's it's like so much to like get going on a human face all at once um i want to talk about that first splash page the first two page spread um i i i love it i think uh the the art genesis is on some warhammer 40k shit here she's like there's the skulls of dead Iraqi all around and there's the plants and the roots and everything just bursting up through the ground. We've got Araco, the face of Araco in the background. The ring and the seats are going flying. Uh, it's, it's a really, really good opening page and the accompanying, accompanying narration selling you on how important this act is uh, as an act of, like, a sort of propaganda victory for Genesis. Yeah, it literally uh, says propaganda victory, which I thought was uh, strong to, uh, to like, not leave that subtext, basically. It's, uh, it rules. Yeah, and it's, it's such a, like, 
power move to come back and be like, oh, you thought the island was... You, you thought you couldn't fix this and she just comes back and immediately is like, I've, I've brought back our island, the thing we care about, like, you know, the, 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 the sacred land or... I forget what I forget what Araco have some or defend the sacred it's, land. It's this broken land, I believe, for Araco. Yeah, yeah, that, of course, um, and yeah, and and uh, like even here, she's sort of fixing the broken land, even though you know it's the 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 split between Araco and Krakoa is what they're really referencing, but it still is like a a way of saying she's done something that people didn't think was possible basically and looks looks very cool doing it and i love that the rest of the ring just like bro i'm just standing here like <laughs> just like <laughs> so i don't i don't think i should ever see sobonar's like full body <laughs> he's, he's just i mean he's just like has a, such a stance of like i'm, I'm just here watching yeah, he's doing the, like, standing emoji. Uh, it, it, he almost looks like he's floating because there's, like, smoke covering the bottom of his feet. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's good. Yeah, we have two, like, double splashes. It's a very cinematic opening. Like, the second double splash is just, like, giving these, like, quick check-ins with, like, all the characters, how they, uh... On, on Reco... Yeah, the world building page that comes right after where we see like um what's up with uh Latuka, um the our astronaut friend, Craig, <laughs> Fisher King, um what's going on in the artist colony, um in the in Port Prometheus, and then we get uh what is his first name? The the un- unheld oh, man. Kobach never held. Co- Kobach. Kobach yeah. never held. Who's quickly growing to be a character I really really like, despite mm. not being able to remember his name, because uh, <laughs> he was great in uh, Marvel Voices X Men as well, uh, which we're not going to talk about this week. Like but... I, I usually don't remember any of the Iraqi names. Like I'm sorry, that's problematic. There's just so many of them. <laughs> I've been thinking about them a lot because I'm doing a Pokemon team for a draft league and they're all just going to be Arako mutants. Hell so, yeah. Uh, uh, I, I really like, again, Lactuka being sort of disconnected a bit here. You know, one one side will win, one side will die. This What is it? The stars... Um, the stars will stay in their place or something. Um and that we get a Peter Corbeau mention mm-hmm. from Craig Marshall, who's like astronaut guy from Claremont era, <laughs> um, who I guess is just hanging out on Mars, which is really funny. You showed like, up, didn't you show up in in the regular X Men book, or am I, or was it in the last rep? I think I think he did. Um, I can't remember. I've definitely why. seen him like in a recent X comic. Um, and also uh, that, again, like Craig has basically adopted the two mutant kids, which is really cute. Yeah. And, you know, in, in Sins of Sinister, uh, Lulo, or, yeah, I think it's Lulo, uh, the kid had, like, taken his name. 
Uh, so obviously there, we, we know like if, if the timeline goes the same way, he, he has, he does take good care of them sort of. Um, uh, and then we sort of get to, uh, Kobach being like, yeah, which us between this and the Marvel voices, X-Men, I think it, there has been sort of like Kobach has been about and he challenged for the great ring, which sort of implied that he was an Omega level mutant. Um, and then him being on the ring again, implied that he was an Omega level mutant. But here he says, like, I would unleash my spikes and like destroy everything around us. And in, uh, our voice X-Men, Solom, who has the adamantium skin is like, I, you're like, could your spikes destroy me? Um, because they can d destroy anything. Um, which I think it's sort of neat that he's like, it's being put on the page that like, yeah, he is, he, he's not just a, a porcupine. Like <laughs> he is an Omega level. Like he has spikes that can destroy anything possibly. He's not just uh, a furry's wet dream of what a porcupine would look like. <laughs> he is also a very powerful superhero. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh no, actually, I'll mention that later. It, it, it makes more sense later. Um, the thing I'm going to say about this one is uh, I love Lodos Logos. I, I love that he breaks his poetry to, to confess that he doesn't want um, Kovac never held to die. I, I love I love that moment. I really like the art of uh, Kobach Neverheld counting on his fingers to check if it was a haiku or not. <laughs> it's it's like it it really it's it's a moment that I think like really well threads that sort of like uh, uh, like a like a break in tension without removing the drama of what came before. Uh, which I think is quite difficult to do. Even when the, the pages get on this book are kind of like the stiffer, like, 80s style, like, nine panel breaks, like, you get with that finger counting, it is still great page flow as well. Like, just really... It's a good book. <laughs> <laughs> it is a, a cool moment of, like... They're changing philosophy as well. Yes. Like, you know, the... Um, I, I, I do not fear a life that ends. Like, there's a way that that can be taken as... You, you, you can just go out and die for anything. And, like, I think it's very... Yeah, it's like the, the evolution here is... You, you don't need to go out and die, like fighting a useless fight it's better for us to work together and actually be able to succeed and also you know we i i care about you as a person um and we we don't need to uh and uh, and the echoing of like no no thrones on Araco, like it's 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 if if we're going to uh break this tradition then denying someone ruling over us is a good enough reason to do it. Like, 
Well, Kobak takes um, Iska's seat on the ring, um, which he's expecting to get back to Destiny. So he doesn't really have much of an ideology himself as a character. He's just been in an opportunistic situation. And so it does make a lot of sense for like the characters he's now befriended through um, these adventures to have to be like, no, this is why we give a shit. This is why we didn't want you to die, you know? Yeah. Um, where he himself has just been living, like, the more traditional Araka lifestyle, um, at least in his head. Um, and so he he does need um, that shift in perspective more so than any other um, character in the Red Lagoon during this scene. Uh, so, and then again, in uh, a great bit of panel flow, we get the last panel, and this is Kobak turning and looking to an off-panel voice, which says, Sam's dead. And the on is it on the page turn? I think it's on the page turn. We yeah. get we get Roberto uh, Sunspot stumbling into the room, messed up as hell, uh, recounting in what I think is my favorite of the Hellfire Gala recaps. Um, yeah, absolutely. The, the, the disaster that went down. Uh, and he, he talks about all the new X-Men that are dead. Uh, talks about everyone that died. Um, for reasons I'm not clear on, he thinks Captain America might be dead. Uh, but um, then also, as <laughs> he says that he wasn't there, he was just keeping an eye on it. Um, and then talks about his telepathic hangover from resisting the re- the 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 planetary evacuation orders, which I think is I, I like seeing the impact of that. It's cool to see like the effect that resisting that kind of psychic power has on someone because like the the man is not okay. He's not doing good. <laughs> No, yeah, it's very good that it starts with like Sam is dead, like the the one he cared about most, and then it's just it's just a very good, like very uh, very realistic like uh, depiction of like how you would recount like a chaotic, a huge event on this. Like it's not like Orcus attacked the Hellfire Gala and killed everyone, and Charles sent them into like it's not it doesn't start at the like main context. It's just like just very uh, all over the place. It starts at what the most important event was to him, the character, and yeah. then leads into everything else. Yeah. And most of the follow-up questions, he like doesn't answer, right? He's just like, no, that doesn't matter. Who cares? Yeah. We're busy. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, he doesn't know like some, some things. Like, uh, he says Cot's dead uh, because he saw the treehouse burning. That's why he thinks Captain America is dead, because he was at the treehouse too. Uh, but yeah, it's like, you know, we know he's not dead, but yeah, in the chaos, you'd, uh, you'd be like, well, probably, probably everyone died. Um, he, after, after all the, like, new X-Men, the first one he says is Jean Grey, which, uh, which is the one that Storm reacts to. Um, That's her best friend. Yes, and she's seen her die. <laughs> Before <laughs> a thousand times, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I I really love him saying like or Storm who's who's responsible some other dead people yeah. named Orcus like <laughs> yes not, yeah I mean they're gonna be dead eventually but like Orcus is yeah also that uh, Storm summons a tiny little cloud to rain into a glass to give him a glass of water oh my god I didn't notice that really that's so cute. good <laughs> Yeah, Storm's reaction to, like, for hearing that everyone fucking died at the gala for the first time, her reaction is very, like, you know, should be a right to freak out over this, but, like, obviously she also needs to stay in control here or needs to be, needs to be the one to, uh, to shake Roberto back into, uh, into some sense. Yeah, it's yeah. I, she she goes straight to like anger instead of like, um, you know, con- confusion or shock. It's like immediately, sort of like we're gonna get him for this. Yeah. It feels like we go to war. Another <laughs> yeah. another good end of page panel. And like she had she had a kind of like ugly break with Charles the last time they talked. Oh, yeah, because he was being a freak about Magneto. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it is just, yeah, Storm has to carry so much of this shit, right? Like, she saw Magneto die, then has to deal with, like, his boyfriend reacting to that. (laughs) Uh, And now, like, she's, uh, she's at war and also learning about, like, everyone else fucking dying. Mm-hmm. Like she's like, yeah. Why would Charles do that? And like, doesn't matter. I don't know. It's it's a lot. We have another huge splash page. Uh, which if you've ever read a Marvel comic, you've seen this page where there's just like a ton of people fighting each other. It looks great. There's this these huge sculptures of Apocalypse in Genesis that are very epic. Um, and then this fight goes on for, like, basically the rest of the issue. It's a lot of cool yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. The important beats, and call out any that I miss, but um, it's important that they hold on to the sky, um, and there is an Omega-level level version of Cannonball coming who gets taken down by Iska because he flies over her mountains, and then Storm arrives um, and uses her powers to destroy um, the the two statues and essentially end the battle. And then we go back to the Red Lagoon. This is always the coolest shit of any comic that has Storm in it is the moment when there's something going on, and uh, then Storm shows up, and everything is like basically like over. It's like. over. Storm showed up. It's done. <laughs> it's. I think it's great. Um, it's part of the reason I like that. Part of the theme of X Men Red and Storm in it has been that she just can't be everywhere at once because where yes. she goes, she fixes shit. <laughs> yeah. It is it is funny that they don't really explain where she was in this one. It's just she was busy, all right? Yeah. She's got yeah. a lot going on. <laughs> yeah, you would you wouldn't question her. There's a huge uh, no. cuz she destroys these huge fucking 
statues. So now there's just like a gigantic apocalypse head, like lying sideways on the ground. Uh, so two things: one, uh, the page turn onto this, another great page turn. Um, Nova's doing his standard everything is up to me stuff um, and then from off panel again we get no you're on a racker Richard Genesis made a challenge to all and nobody fights alone and then we get Storm arriving with like a billowing like Magneto style red cape um, the cape is so good and then she just she ends it she fixes the problem uh, yeah it, it rules. Um, uh, we also get some some uh, what I think is a little bit of could be some visual symbolism in the giant apocalypse head crashed to the ground with storm flying overhead uh, while John Ironfire is like the, those dang traitors. Um, it rules. This yeah, and then we have the. They have the voice of a traitor's plural. I wonder. We haven't seen mm. Apocalypse yet. What's he up to? Ooh, where's Daddy? What <laughs> mean? Um, and then they return to the Red Lagoon, and the Fisher King arrives, covered in some sort of flesh silly string. Um, <laughs> half of his body entirely taken up. Um, and there's like a line on the page before where he is interjecting. Um. Yet um, another great page turn and and end of the like end of the nine panel like panelled out page voice from off screen page turn to a great page. This issue yeah. uses it like four times and I I love it every time. <laughs> um, but they they know that uh, attack on Port Prometheus is going to happen. Um, and so. Like, they're talking about how they're going to have to protect it, uh, and he's like, Iraqi, Iraqi have a history with siege warfare, and our history's in our blood. And you see him all fucked up, um, and that is the end of X-Men Red 14. Yeah. And it's Zylo. It's Zylo, because we, we, we uh, Which Zylo's was been... said last issue. <laughs> Actually, because ah. the the like future history of Araco or whatever, there's like the bit where um, Zylo says, I, "I you know, for all his futurism, Lotus Logos was still uh, not afraid of a life that ends." When I asked him later about this thing, uh, he says something. At that time, I had no name, or something like that, uh, because Zylo has. Uh, so I was like, "Oh, cool! They're uh, like, oh, I, I noticed that." And then it was like, I looked at the, the cover for next month's one is just like Zylo Fisher King. Uh, it's pretty on, right subtle on the, on the cover. cover. <laughs> like he's he he he, I, he looked very Spider Man to me on that cover, but like with with flesh web. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, he looks gnarly as hell, but I love uh, Zylo's been been dropping the hints that he he needs to merge with someone to stay alive and keep history alive, and I think it rules that he merges with the Fisher King, and it means yeah, you get I love the, the Fisher King the line and our history is in our blood with him looking like that is 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 a banger, um, and like that Fisher King is sort of a part of 
a hidden history. Like, mm-hmm. F- Fisher King's history on the night seats is not something that would be in Zylo's, like, or would have been in Zylo's, like, official history of Arako. Yeah. Um, through through the merger <clears throat> that, like, loss has brought Zylo to, Zylo has effectively, the implication here, learned something that it could never have learned before. Um, and that rules. Um, X-Men Red's really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, just to go back a little bit, the, um, obviously the, the guy who's Omega level cannonball and it, the, he, I'm fully invulnerable when I'm blasting. <laughs> yes. Very funny. I've been reading the new mutants issues where Sam says that every single issue, he <laughs> says, I'm not invulnerable when I'm blasting. Uh, I like this thing that they're doing of like doing Omega level versions of mutants we know on Arako. Like, um, what you call it? This is Cannonball. Lycaon is Wolverine. Kobak probably maps to someone as well, but I'm not sure. Um, and also, this is the continuation of the Seed of Loss taking L's constantly. <laughs> Uh, because like Taran lost to Storm, Taran lost to Magneto, Magneto lost to uh, uh, the Eternals, uh, Storm lost to Genesis, and now this guy loses to uh, Iska. Yeah, it's like you guys. Maybe you don't want that seat. <laughs> All right, we have five more comics to discuss. These were the ongoing ones. We have now we have a bunch of number ones. Uh, there's some of them where I, where I personally have very little to say about, so I don't think we're going to discuss all of them in depth. But uh, what's next? Well, it's, uh, we're kicking it off with Jean Grey. Yeah. Jean yeah. Grey. Wheezy's back. By Louise Simonson. Um, before we get into the summary, this cover art rules. It's so yeah. good. It's like there was like a variant that costs the same amount at my store, and I was like, "No, I want the OG one." <laughs> yeah, it's got like it's it's this sort of slightly abstracted phoenix bursting out of water, curling around like Jean Grey's like face in the background and forming her hair. It's it's so good. Uh, so Jean Grey number one. Uh, by Louise Simonson and Bernard Chang. Uh, while dying during the Hellfire Gala, Jean looks back through her life for times when she could have changed course and created a better future. Her first point is when the time-displaced teen X-Men were returned to the school in kind of the 60s era, uh, where she uses her powers to wipe minds and manipulate others, eventually leading to her embracing the Phoenix and destroying the other members of the X-Men. Uh... I it's I really wasn't sorry wasn't sure what to expect from this and it's cool to have this like oh we're going back through the important moments in Jean Grey's life and that one of those important moments is the time displaced X Men going back to the past is kind of funny. Hey, that matters um, again. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, I also had no idea what to expect from this. I was very pleasantly surprised. I think this is a really interesting comic. Marvel has done a bunch of this shit, like in the with the Xbox, where they gave legendary creators a mini where they could write their iconic characters, but like in the time when they were writing them. So like Fabian Nicieza was writing shit where like that took place in the 90s, basically, like, in the 90s timeline. Uh, yeah, Annie Nascenti so, just finished a Storm yeah. miniseries that took place in, like, the 90s, but the 80s also at the same time. So you could have <laughs> you could have expected that this is going to be the same thing for Louise Simonson. Louise Simonson is uh, the first woman to write Jane Grey. Um, she's, a, she's a legend. She wrote Inferno. She... I, didn't she, she also wrote The Death of Superman, which is, like, oh, really? one, one of the most important... I didn't know that. Fucking cop. She worked. She either wrote it or was the editor. I am not sure. That's um, off the top of my head. But that is one of the most important moments in comics history. <laughs> and like, she also did X Factor, which is the introduction of Apocalypse and a bunch <clears throat> of other characters that are still important now. Um, yeah, and it's kind of just you know what? What if Jean Grey went? went a bit evil uh, <laughs> and did did some stuff she prob- probably shouldn't have um but it does work like yeah this is what i love the most about this is that june gray dies right uh this character this character dies again uh one of the iconic x-men one of the original x-men we got one of the original writers back but that isn't like a uh, what's it called? Hagiography? Like, it's not like we're not writing all of these about how great Jean Grey was and how she's the best. <laughs> but it's about like, uh, hey, what if I had done something different as a teen? Uh, teen Jean Grey was really fucked up. Yeah. Um, it's a really good issue. It's also, like, almost all of these first ones are longer than a typical issue. The only one that's, like, regular size is Alpha Flight. Um, but uh, I really don't have a ton to say about it other than I think you should go read it because it's, like, almost an entirely self-contained story. Um, and it seems that, like, each of these issues is going to be Jean exploring a different time in her life and, like, what she could have potentially done differently while she's pulling back together her fractured mind and also maybe dealing with the phoenix in each of these moments which obviously the next the next one that's teased is literally her her death well her death because she was hidden under water or something i don't remember but but uh when when she first uh like was inhabited by the phoenix uh which is there's uh, that issue of the actual Uncanny, um, or well, the, the classic X-Men issue that covers that has just like a 10-page redone version of it that like Chris Claremont wrote like 10 years later that's really, really good. Um, so I'm sort of um, excited to see that revisited and I think it'll probably also be pretty good. And the next issue teases um, that maybe she is not going to get the Phoenix, uh, because it's her holding Scott in the cover, and it looks like he is consumed by the Phoenix and not her. 
Um, Ooh. Which will be fun and also be funny because it'll make uh, Connor Cerebro mad. Because <laughs> he complains about uh, Scott's time during the Phoenix Five. Yeah. Like, every other episode. <laughs> it's, yeah. Uh, I, Avengers vs. X-Men isn't the best, but I, I had some fun with it. It's it's not the worst. <laughs> yeah, I haven't read it once again since I was like 14 or 15, so I don't remember. <laughs> I think this is there's a lot of potential in this series, like if, if it keeps... Cause it's just, I, I think it's really cool that, uh, Simons, that Louis Simonson isn't like... isn't doing what you'd expect her to do which like go back to the time that she was writing but this yeah. is like taking from the concept of the brian michael bendis uh young x-men thing so that's that's really cool that she's taking from like she seems to be taken from like all across uh gene gray's timeline um i love that we have some cool magneto moments yeah I d- and I also like uh, when, like, a moment that's kind of innocuous, like, from several years ago, like, them returning in time yeah. actually gets to matter and get context given to it. Because it seems like them going back in time would be would have been a bigger deal than it has been treated until this time. I don't understand why Cable didn't just erase their memories. Can <laughs> oh, no, he's only a telekinetic. He's not a telepath, he, right? He is a telepath, um, but depending okay, on... Okay, I don't understand why he didn't erase his, their memories to <laughs> dropping them off. Depending on, like, the point in time and how his techno-organic viruses, the telepathy and or telekinesis is used to um, stop him from getting techno-organic virus effectively. That's because, like, he does have telepathy, but most of the time it's used purely defensively, I believe, is the mm-hmm. is the cable law. Um, I also really like uh, this, like, I, w- I went into this effectively expecting, like, Jean Grey epic moments, yeah. and, like, instead it's let it, like, a, a really good writer. It's a writer. different kind of Jean Grey epic moments. It, it's, it's... <laughs> Instead of Jean Grey epic moments, it's like a really good writer goes and like adds so much to these moments for what they meant to Jean Grey um, and what they like could have been. Um, And it doesn't get bogged down in the weeds of like alternate timeline stuff. It really like zips through the alternate timeline, which I appreciate. Like it's very clearly an imagined alternate timeline which means they can get like a little weirder with what happens and like make jumps in the art and things like that like magneto becomes professor x-ish for a bit and everyone gets like cerebro helmets and things like that which which like read more as current gene visualizing things into her past um, yeah, and I think that's neat. It also helps that the art is really good. It's yeah. really good. Yeah, the the way these this artist and colorist do like fire and light is spectacular. And it looks, I don't know, it just looks so dynamic. Like it, uh, it looks like what Nick said about the. Uh, X-Men Red arc being like very that like Marvel style this uh, this looks like a lot more like cartoony uh, 
than than the typical Marvel comic. Yeah, there's like a certain level of like with Marvel comics, the like core vibe to me looks like a 2Dification of like a CGI uh modeling of a character. Um, where this is this they're allowed to be more flat and graphic in this style to a certain degree while yeah. still yeah, leaning in that direction with the Yeah, this one almost looks like a done. European comic. Uh or uh or or it looks like something that could be like a really uh a really well done animated, like two D animated show. Like that's yes. the vibe I'm getting from this. Uh I love that one of the like Gene basically does crimes against humanity or <laughs> like uh young jean after she uh goes back and like the f- the most fucked up thing here is when she decides to like this really got me when i was like it already starts escalating right and then she's like okay let's kidnap some children who aren't even yet <laughs> mutants let's mind wipe their parents from forgetting about their like eight-year-old kitty pride that i'm taking away like way before she even, like, manifests her mutant powers. I'm, like, take, taking Sam away from his family when he is literally the person keeping them out of poverty. Yeah. Like, don't do not do that, Gene. <laughs> Please. It's, um, it also might be relevant that this is somewhat similar to how uh, Professor X recruits Gene in the first place by sort of convincing her parents to let her go and asking Jean yeah. if he can block out part of her mind. Yeah. Which was then, like, already played as, like, when Cyclops saw that, like, in Dark Phoenix, he was already, like, really disturbed by that. Like, he was like, what the fuck, Jean? Did you really just do it? And Jean is like, yeah, the professor does this all the time. Uh, I want to shout out how hot Magneto looks, like, when he has his helmet off. <laughs> yes. He has, like, yeah. like that shit when you're, like, an old man but still have, like, a great hairline. We, we've got that <laughs> yeah. Mads Mikkelsen Magneto yes. in this. <laughs> I, I actually, I read Age of Apocalypse while I was on holiday, and it, Magneto in that has, like, hair down to his ass. Like, he just has beautiful, like, long anime hair all the time, and it looks great. And when he has the helmet on, he has it, like, tied into two, like, sort of, um, I don't know, like, that's, I, I don't know what to call them. Um, not, like, pigtails, but, like, <laughs> uh, like, braids or something. And it also just looks great. Um, there's, yeah, there's, there's, he's, he's looking, he's looking good here. Um, yeah, and then, uh, and then basically Gene, like, manifests, uh, phoenix like way before she actually did and she like destroys everyone and then goes oops i should try something else i should not do this yeah like well time to try again at a different point yeah that was that was not it (laughs) um i love these i love these pages like towards the end where like charles is talking to her in her mind, and we have, like, this floating, like, incredibly cartoony, like, Charles head, uh, that is, like, it's kind of, like, it keeps getting bigger, like, it feels like when, like, there's, like, a floating head that, like, approaches the camera. I think that covers Gene, yeah. 
good stuff. Yeah, I'm re- excited really for the good. next I, one. This was, uh, I think this was my favorite out of the number ones. Um, I don't think any of the other ones like approaches it. Uh, any issue that gives you a me and Charles do this all the time moment yeah. is a good issue. <laughs> Yeah, maybe other other than other than Children of the Watt, that was also good. But out of the ones we talk about this week, like this is this is the clear standout to me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's there's really just nothing to complain about here. Yeah. Uh, great writing, great art, strong concept. Yeah, I'm just like flipping through it, and just the art is just mind blowing. Like it's really cool. But next, we are going to move forward in time, finally, in the <laughs> terms of the story. Uh, and we will be talking about Uncanny Avengers, number one. Uh, Uncanny Avengers. <clears throat> By Jerry Duggan and uh, Javier Garon. Penance and Psylocke have been fighting to free mutants captured by Orcus, and are found and recruited to the Unity Squad by Steve Rogers. Captain Krakoa forms a new mutant liberation front with the Blob, Wildside, and the Struckers. Uh, he then breaks Steve Ar- Steve's arm in a fight. I just listened to the Fenris episode of Cerebro like yesterday, so <laughs> I know all about them. Uh, a great I've bunch now of guys. read almost all of the shit because they don't show up much. So I've almost read all of Fenris. Yeah, I wonder why they don't show up for much. <laughs> I, I really <laughs> hope that uh, Connor Cerebro never listens to this because I will say that I found <laughs> X Corp to be so unmemorable that I forgot they were in it. Because <laughs> he's always no, like, "Don't don't criticize Tini Howard because that's my client," which is fine, but. Uh, uh, she's not Michael. Cl- no, I, I don't, I don't know Tini, so I'll be, uh, I'll be criticizing her. Yeah, so she's done some, she's written some good stuff. I'm just not like the biggest fan of X Corp specifically. I don't think she wrote X Corp. <laughs> no, she did. Yeah, she oh, did. she did. Yeah. Oh, I didn't. Yeah, Connor that. is always talking about else. how great X Corp is, and I'm like, what did you read? <laughs> it's fine. Uh, <laughs> this one also has very unique art. Like, it kind of looks like none of the other books. I I really like it. Um, it has oh, like. But to cut you off for a second, yes. Janosh, um, Connor Cerebro, if you're listening, and you have room to take me on as your <laughs> <literary> <laughs> agent, <laughs> just you know, find my email. I'll Discord message you. Yeah, just shoot, shoot your shot. This is like a lot more like I don't know the art terms, but like a lot more shaded art. Like it's a lot more like yeah. finer lines and shadows on uh, on everything. And like there's some there's some really cool fights in this. Like the action is just very like action comicy. And they're like they're doing some murders. <laughs> there's some onage here. The 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 art is this is one of those times that like the art is like good enough and like good enough in this specific comics context where it's it elevates designs which I don't think are very good artistically up to something which is like I'm happy to see this on the page and I'm talking here about Modok uh, who's <laughs> big big horrible <laughs> face is like intimidating this is like the second time you said this exact thing about Modok <laughs> it's, it's 
it's one of the things I find really hard to get past, specifically with Modoc. Like, it's- because if you have his face too smooth, it's just like this orb, and it's just like a weird baby face with and like yeah. a little baby stroller, and I cannot take it seriously whatsoever. Here, he's like all craggly and scrungly, and like has like dark, dead pupiled eyes, and it's like, okay, I see this. I'm I'm on board with Modoc in in this art style. Yeah, but Modoc that... and Mr. Sinister are waking up someone. Mr. That Sinister, that's Doctor Stasis. No, Doctor Stasis. <laughs> Mr. Stasis. Yeah, the the most understandable um, name mistake. <laughs> I, no, a fun game for people is to just count my names. <laughs> My favorite like Modoc panel is also here where they like get this get this guy out and there's just a close up on his face where he's like using his tiny little hands and like clapping like a little child saying let's get this man a uniform. Does anyone have any thoughts about who they think Captain Krakoa might be? Cuz I've got no clue. I've heard some theories. Uh, I bet. My first thought was one that I've also seen people theorize, so I think it's the popular one, is uh, fascist Steve Rogers from Secret Empire. uh, Oh, the Hydra one. Who, yeah, uh, who I think did die at the end of that, but, you know, that's not a problem. Yeah, I mean, they're unfreezing from something here, Yeah, he's in cryogenic. Uh, yeah, this or is explicitly bit bringing someone back, right? Who wasn't around, so that would track. Uh, the other theory I heard is that it's uh, it's Baron von Strucker, because uh, uh, oh yeah, because he gets he oh, gets that's... the Strucker kids and he's like uh, as your father who was the greatest of them all or whatever. <laughs> like, mm. yeah, I thought it was Frank Castle at first until this issue came out. <laughs> And I was like, no, not the Punisher. <laughs> that would be wild. It's just in in the in the free comic book day issue, I don't know why, but the silhouettes they kept doing of him out of costume really read Punisher-y to me. I, th- I think Punisher has been a bit fash recently. In a, in a more explicit way than, you know... He has historically. Murdering... With his words all the time, and not just always his actions. Was. But, yeah, because he was like the villain in the Daredevil stuff. Oh, um, cool. And I think he's also like Cosmic Ghost Rider or something, but that's some bullshit that doesn't, <laughs> I don't understand. Um, the, other, the other theory besides these that I heard that I don't believe is going to be true is that it's Magneto's brother Joseph. I don't know why that would be the case. Isn't he in Scarlet at the moment? Yeah, he's in Scarlet Witch, like, and was was a mutant, like, rights terrorist, right? Like, I, there's no way. I'm giving he, this one. I, a, unless... I'm giving this one a highly unlikely. <laughs> <laughs> the the only guess I had, and this is because of like they're clearly paralleling Captain Fake Captain Krakoa to Captain America, and the only one I have as a guess for that is Nuke. If you if you know the comic book character Nuke, who is no. like Vietnam nope. <laughs> era super soldier experiment by the American government to like do another Captain America, um, and Great. he's got an American flag tattooed on his face, and he's called Nuke, <laughs> and he's 
and it's one of the yeah for that reason i thought it might be u.s agent <laughs> but like this this is the thing there's like five different versions of like we tried to do a captain america but he but but it, but but it was wrong and, it, and it's fascist now um so it could be like any of those <laughs> i haven't read any of that era captain america but uh if 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 you've read the Kurt Busiek uh, Avengers Forever uh, comic, it was like either, either a limited series or, or like a or like a, a original graphic novel, but it's like about getting Avengers characters from different timelines where they're at their lowest, and one of them is Captain America from the time Watergate happened, and he just like got really <laughs> depressed about America. <laughs> That's really good. But uh, before we move on from Captain America, I want to say on the cover, it's super funny that his eyebrows are just like so prominent that they're like basically coming out of his mask. I love it. It looks really good, but it's super funny at the same time. Yeah. One last thing. It can't be Nuke because I've just looked up the, the how far the flag tattoo goes down his face and it wouldn't be covered by the Captain Krakoa mask. Great. Well, maybe you got, like, uh, tattoo removal or something. Dr. Stasis gave him a new face. Yeah. Hey, fire away. He has, like, a Mission Impossible face, like, above his face, so... I take his helmet off <laughs> and there's a face, and then they also take the face off. <laughs> That'd be pretty good. Uh, we we kind of get another recap uh, from, like, Ben Yurik perspective, which is pretty good. Yeah, I love when Ben shows up. We get to a, like, mutant camp, and we get Psylocke and Penance just murdering everyone, which is cool. Oh, yeah. And then uh, we get Steve Rogers showing up and basically saying, I don't really mind that you're killing these people, it seems to me. Like... Uh, he's, or, well, I'm, maybe later he'll be like, no, we have to, you know, not, not kill them. But I think there is a, a very obvious parallel here to like, or, you know, like Captain America was a World War II hero. Uh, he, he, he fucking killed Nazis there. Like, I don't know why he would, you know. Comics are very anti-killing people for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, because of the Comics Code Authority yeah. more than anything. Honestly, I think I think yeah, specifically it's... Captain or Steve Rogers is like very anti-killing. But yeah, he he says, but it's... like he literally says, I have I have a little bit of experience fighting fascism, which I thought I think is pretty good that they put they say that on page, <laughs> you know, that that's what Orcus is. I also, um, when the Unity Squad was last formed, it was Fash Cap, at least at the end of it. I don't know if it was him okay. at the very beginning of it. Uh, that's that's another tick towards that being Captain Krakoa. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that. So, yeah. I, well, they do mention it in passing in the issue um, when, like, they say, they're all getting on the train. He's He has, like, a one, Captain America, it, it switches into Captain America's perspective. And he ta- he's talking about how Deadpool was on the last Unity Squad and he lost everything because of it. Oh, and that's yeah, yeah, because yeah. of Fash Cap. Like, this new Unity Squad with Captain America being like, 
no, you kill the fascists is like the perfect counterbalance to that to start it out. And it makes a lot of sense that these characters would have that perspective because the last time Captain America faced, well, he was basically against mutants and for the fascists because he literally was a fascist. So it's also continuing the, like, uh, you know, um, the first hellfire gala where Captain America is like, I'm, like I'm, I'm happy that you're, uh, you know, uh, like able to go to Mars or whatever. But it just, I'm, it makes me sad that America wasn't able to like be for you, like uh, yeah. that that you had to do the separatism. And this is him here again, being like, "Oh, America is very explicitly not for you anymore," <laughs> and I'm mad about it. Yeah, like. I mean, that's the most interesting yeah. thing about uh, you can do with Captain America's character. Like, that's the, you know, the non, the the non-comic book people's perception of Captain America can be that he's just, like, a piece of propaganda. So, obviously, the most interesting piece uh, place to put him is when he has to be, like, no, maybe America is not great. Yeah, it's um uh, one, of, one of my favorite captain america moments from uh axe judgment day is captain america getting judged and like the 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 celestial judgment vision being like you're meant to represent like a a, like a vision for america you're meant to be like a good america like look at america how do you think you did thumbs down like it's 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 the most interesting place to put captain america like as a character as someone who is like striving to represent a better world and kind of failing. Yeah. And it's also a thing that Captain America has been doing for like the the entire, like there have been periods of Captain America since like the seventies, I think like, I know I've seen stories from back then where it's like him in opposition to like, was it like the it's like a panel of him complaining about America intervening in South America and like the drug drug wars and stuff and like yeah pe- people have been doing this and the, which is because it's a cool thing to or it's a good way to use him yeah because and, America keeps giving like, opportunities for that <laughs> yeah well I think it's something they talk about with uh, Betsy Braddock Captain Britain like something Teeny Howard is specifically trying to go into with that character um, is that she she fights for the people of Britain and not for the government. And we're getting that here with Steve in a major way, um, which is how I prefer his character being written as opposed to yeah. for America, which I think you see less and less of in like these modern times especially. But yeah, all throughout his history, people have used him. Yeah, like at least post-Brewbaker, it's been like... I love this. I just love this. Uh, while I still have it open on this page, I love this panel of like Psylocke doing like a Mortal Kombat fatality uh, to this <laughs> Krakoan soldier. Just stabs him through, and then while she while she kicks him away, there's a gigantic like crack written in the background. It just looks so sick. Like I love when they do oh, shit yes, like that yes. with the lettering. I flick to that page. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's really the, good. The fight scene at the beginning of this 
it, it rips. It's great. It's really it's some some fantastic art. Uh, you get a lot of really like good movement and use of like panels and lighting and color. Like it's all taking place like at night in the rain, and the the like light of explosions and gunfire and spotlights is used to spotlight like Psylocke and Manet like jumping in about to like Mortal Kombat fatality some orca soldiers and it rules yeah that's the thing about this book is that plot wise like there you know we're in the Jared Duggan corner again so plot wise you know it's orca's plot it's uh we have the unity squad assembled and we have the uh, villain squad assembled. Like plot-wise there's not a lot of interesting thing going on. But 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 the art and the action is just so sick. Yeah. Like, it just it just makes it like it's just a great you know, I think and I think Jerry Duggan is like kind of a modest man, like he doesn't seem to be someone who keeps bragging about himself. Uh writing genius comics and i think he'd be the first one to admit it is that his job here is to like give the artist like a great vehicle to like display his skills yeah i mean i think that's what makes a good comics writer yeah because it 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 has to be just as much about the art as the story or else you should be writing a textbook (laughs) absolutely not a textbook but a book made of text yes (laughs) (laughs) Um, I got a, a few little comments about the Unity Squad bits. Um, Quicksilver saying, I ran as many of the mutants as I could to the Canadian border is like uh, funny, ironic, considering what we learn in Alpha Flight. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh man. <laughs> uh, that's okay, the, that's well... the one place you don't want to take them to. <laughs> yeah. Um, Manet and uh, Quanon um, having a little psychic conversation being like uh, it seems like Captain America's okay with us murdering people but we can always just quit if he if he becomes some kind <laughs> of weak willed centrist again like if if he gets mad at us we'll just quit and continue killing <laughs> it's a, a good little moment <laughs> yeah you can't really you can't really tell. I mean, you said this in the last episode when the when we saw the squad like already assembled. That like this is just the most kill heavy team. Like you can't really, you can't really tell a team with Deadpool and Psylocke and, uh, Monet. And Rogue, or well, even Quicksilver, he's been a bad and guy Quicksilver. a bunch of times too. <laughs> Rogue literally was envisioned as a yeah, uh, um, villain for Cap or for. Mar- Miss Marvel back yeah. then, but for Carol Danvers, you know, like these are people um, that so you. It's like impossible not to. You can't really tell them not to kill, like anyway. And then also, like, they're also not the most like mentally stable ones. So it's, mm-hmm. it's not like Deadpool is gonna be like, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm um I'm happy with the the fact that like the this series is very aware of it and it's leaning into the like kill fascists angle of Captain America and the rest of them, um, we get a bit of Jerry Duggan writing Deadpool again. The first Jerry Duggan series I ever read was his pretty long ongoing run on Deadpool. Uh, so that was nice for me, personally. 
I, I might have read that too. Yeah, it was the it was I the Now series. Um, I pr- yeah, I did I probably that. Read some of it did it together with, uh, with Brian Posehn. Yeah, yeah. Who there was a cameo in one of the Hellfire Galas where like Deadpool was like chatting with Brian Posehn <laughs> or something. I am most excited, I think, for Blob's arc in this comic. Yes. And also the most nervous, because I've grown to really like Blob over the course of the Krakoan era. I love a weird guy. (laughs) I love a weird character. Um, But he's, I don't know, he's just like such a sweetheart in all the Green Lagoon scenes you see him in, or a hard ass when he's got to kick someone out that's being rowdy. But to see him being manipulated in this way is a little heartbreaking and to have him just go back to being the big dumb guy is like not necessarily my favorite, but I trust Jerry Duggan enough to give him this leeway here. <laughs> and I think, well, I I think it's like understandable that someone who has been a villain before, you know, sees this horrible stuff happen and then is like willing to... and. Again, sees them or sees them standing with Captain America and is like America. He he's America. America are currently getting us. Like, how are you? It's like, and yeah, I'm I'm interested to see where it goes. Yeah, that's I think the other reason I trust what's going on here is because you're right. It does absolutely make sense within the context of who that character is, um, as well as what the fuck is happening right now. I'm hopeful that we'll get some some kind of like a, a at least talking it out if not like a full like uh heel face turn back from Blob and or Wildside uh at some point in this Yeah, I think Blob series. is definitely gonna like betray or like turn turn back again. Like I think that one is very clearly seeded like Rogue is trying to... I think it's Rogue who's, who tries to talk him out of it. Um, yeah, it is. And, uh, and like, Blob thinks he's following Cyclops right now, if I recall yes. correctly. Yeah. Which is, to me, the least believable part of that story, because <laughs> it's like, Cyclops still has a voice. Blob has met Cyclops a number of times. <laughs> he knows what he sounds like. can do a killer Cyclops impression. <laughs> I mean, he's pro- he probably does. Like, he probably does try to, at least sound like or it's just some like technology bullshit yeah maybe it's in the helmet maybe it's in the helmet because uh because like he was already like he was already the captain krakow persona was already supposed to be like cyclops playing a different character so maybe it's either in the helmet or uh or he was already or cyclops was doing a voice as captain krakow and now captain krakow is doing the same voice yeah he or they took was. Fash Cap's brain and put it in Cyclops' body. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that's not it. Yeah. Don't make that. Cyclops is um, in the other... Con- well, who knows? Who knows how the timelines line who up? Who knows? Uh, I think I was going to say about the Blob believing his Cyclops. Like, I think it's it's a bit of... I don't think he actually believes it, but he wants to believe it. Yes. Like, like I think it's more a point Cyclops of, would come to him and be like, yeah. let's fight back. And that Cyclops would sort of be like, "Oh, you were you were right back then. Yes, when you were in the Mutant Liberation Front. Let's let's do your thing, sort of. Yeah, which Blob deserves. The only other thing I have to say about this issue is, um, 
uh, the full the page where Quicksilver is running them all out of the tunnels at the end is very funny and a good building of the Dynamicus characters. Like, Monet is like, watch your hands, and then he absolutely does not want to touch Kanan <laughs> more than he has to, because he's definitely worried <laughs> after his warning. And then he's straight up just, like, scooping Captain America's boob in his hand yeah. at the bottom yeah. of the page. <laughs> Yeah. And then, like, on the next page, he's, like, worn out because he's just carried, like, five people over in the course of a second or whatever. Yeah, Deadpool is playing games on his phone while he's being, like, held like a baby. And, uh... mm-hmm. Deadpool's listening to our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> it's, again, the art in this is really good. Uh, like, both for action, for humor, for, like, conveying everything it needs to convey. Great comedy bit where, like, Fenris shoot a hole through Deadpool and he's, like, looking through it. <laughs> I, he didn't want to clean the outfit today. This Gotta now. This is the bit that reminded me most of Jerry Duggan writing Deadpool because, like, playing around with Deadpool receiving, like, horrific, grievous injuries and, like, what you can do on a comics page with that and, like, where you can just, like, put parts of his body and stuff like that. Um, is something that got played with a lot during his Deadpool run, and like it's just it's nice to see that again. Uh, I found it really, really entertaining. Um, there's there's the specific thing I always remember because usually it's used for like comedy bits like this, like oh I've had a hole blown through me, let me peek through, or oh, like oh uh, I punched someone and all my all my fingers fell off because they're covered in spikes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and. There's a part where it's like a high emotional stakes bit of the Deadpool story where he's like tracking down an evil scientist or whatever. And he has, all he has is a gun and the facility is crawling with guards who can like have stuff designed to kill Deadpool. And he flexes his arm and shoots a bullet through his bicep and uses his own arm as a silencer. Um, so that it doesn't make any noise and it's like it's a really cool moment that has just stuck with me uh it's yeah that's, that's yeah yeah that's great that's my like that's my pro deadpool bias there like <laughs> i i i'm deadpool being a comedy funny man i can take or leave deadpool like shooting things through his own body <laughs> that's where i like deadpool yeah i like him when he's completely psychotic like, yes. I, yeah, I don't exactly. care about him, like, breaking the fourth wall. Like, that just doesn't really do it for me. Uh, but when he just does insane shit, that's good. Um, And then the issue ends mid-fight, and there's a God's teaser at the end. Someone's smuggling cosmic cubes in through Dead Eter- into our I'm, universe through Dead Eternals. You know, when, when, when comics start, like, when they're advertising one of these comics with, including a tease for God. Like, again? <laughs> like, they're all doing this a little there's bit. There's one in every comic these days. I picked up a Batman issue, and there's a God's <laughs> teaser in it. <laughs> you go MarvelMutt.com, and it's gonna say, like, check out for, look here for a highly anticipated new look at gods. Who are the gods? Like, just bring the comic at this point. It's still gonna be, like, a month or and a half until it comes they're, out. They're really building it up. They, I think they, I... I wondered how, like, I feel like they invested a lot in getting Hickman back. <laughs> it's what it really feels like for gods. 
Um, and they're, they're going ham on the advertising. Um, I like that... They should advertise in something other than a comic for once. Yeah. Though. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe that would help them sell more books. <laughs> Maybe. I'm going to buy gods no matter what. Don't advertise to me. <laughs> yeah, you're really like... Yeah, it's it's whatever. I'm... I find it really hard to believe Hickman's claim that he pitched Hawksbox as God and Gods as like his two big Bibles that he wants to that he came for which he came back to Marvel as like here's how I'm gonna change the Marvel universe and maybe I'm gonna eat my words but like I, f- I just find it so hard to believe that he's like yeah. This is the one that just completely reinvents the X-Men, and then here's the other one where it's like all new characters and Doctor Strange. I don't know, we'll see. Yeah, I'm just trying I'm just try- finding it we'll very see. hard to imagine how it's gonna completely reset the Marvel status quo. Yeah. Um back to Uncanny Avengers. I want the Fenris twins dead. I I want them <laughs> gone. I want them erased from reality. I get why they're here, because like we're 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 like we're really leaning into orchestra fascist and or Nazis. Like that is the through line of this book, if if nothing else. Um Can we talk about how Captain Krakoa kicks a hole into the Quiet Council table and like goes down to the pit and just takes them out? Yeah, uh, I guess Professor X was like asleep um, <laughs> at this point. Yeah, I, I I like that Krakoa is literally yeah. crying. Like it's so sad. Poor 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 little guy who is massive. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a it's a cool visual. Um. And. I just, I just want Fenris dead. I want them I mean, gone. I think they're on the team. Here's the thing. I mean, this is, uh, is I think this is also a five issue mini. Yes, from uh, we have, yeah, I we have a villain there. team of the Nefarious, Imposter Sus, Captain Krakoa, and then we have these two guys on the team who we have like some sort of sympathy for, uh, Wildstyle and Blob, right? Or wild style, wild side. Why? Why can I? Why can't I say wild side? We have these two guys, so you have to put on like two other guys who we just absolutely hate, like two completely insalvageable uh, people on the team, so that it's not like oh everyone turns around them. Yeah, it does work for that because I want to see them go uh, <laughs> get their ass out of here, <laughs> kill those weird Nazi twins. Yeah, the big the big gods tease is that they someone is smuggling Tesseract to the Earth. What could it mean? We have literally no idea. <laughs> uh, this this is also actually no. Think about it. Could link back to Secret Empire Cap because it was a cosmic cube that was used to make okay. him like that. Oh. I think. I yes, think. it was a cosmic cube that had been turned into a little girl. Yeah. Like a I, I knew there was some some yeah. sauce on it somewhere. Uh, comic books. <laughs> yeah, I read those like about when they were coming out, so I also don't really remember much of them. I might go back. Oh, that's some. I no, you don't need to do that. <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> I liked like a lot of the Avengers stuff that was going on around the same time. I remember, but like that event, I don't remember liking. So. 
Will we move on to uh, Canada? Because Quicksilver is bringing, bringing people up <laughs> yeah. there. Where everything's fine. <laughs> Flight has been relaunched as a mutant hunting squad as Canada joined the US in banning mutants. They fail to capture a mutant and it is revealed that they are secretly working with the resistance to evacuate every mutant they can to Chandelier. Huge plot twist at the end. Who could have seen that coming? It, it worked for me. I, I, I was like, oh, cool. Or like, I don't know. In hindsight, it's like, yeah, yes, I guess. Yes, of course. These, these good guys are yeah. good guys. But I didn't see it coming and I was pissed. <laughs> I was pissed the whole time I'm reading. I'm like, these fucking top assholes. <laughs> I mean, it is. But then it happened. And as I was rereading, I was like, wow, I should have. I should have seen that. You're coming. saying this, but. If there's any team where, like, you can try to t- trick the readers into thinking they join the fascists, it's Alpha Flight, like... Yeah. So here's, this, here's the thing about the four, like, non-mutant members of Alpha Flight we see here, is that the main guy is has the Canadian... Fl- he is called... I think he's called Guardian in this one, but he was called Vindicator in the Claremont stuff I've been reading. Um, I just call him Captain Maple Leaf, because I think that's what Wolverine or Cyclops that's call him. That's what Wolverine yeah. calls him. He has... That's what most of the X-Men call yeah. him. So this is a guy who has the Canadian yeah, Guardian flag on him. I think he was, like, out of mask in the Claremont issue I read the other day, and I was like, who is this guy? Like just, just mm-hmm. the most like regular human ass looking character. I, I, I don't know what his deal is. Like I can't, I can't grasp. Well, he's like just a guy. Yeah, he's he's just a guy. Like I can't grasp any character traits for him. And then there's a short guy he's on. He's like the... a military guy that was training Wolverine to take his place as like the superhero leader, and then Wolverine joins the X Men, and he is forced to become. Guardian yeah. or Vindicator or he's he's whatever. one of Wolverine's dozens of exes. Like, yeah, he was he was in a throuple with his wife and Wolverine for a while. I didn't know that. Oh yeah, I, I think Definitely. I just got to that. Uh, but yeah, I yeah, that's the thing. Like out, outside of the thing of like he was uh, like like the Wolverine connection, right? I just don't get what his deal as a character is. Like you know, other than what his connection to Wolverine is. Uh, so there's him, there's this guy who has the Canadian flag, there's a short guy named Puck whose uniform is just a huge P. Yeah. Is he made of rubber? Is that his deal? I heard he was made of rubber recently. I, I genuinely don't, <laughs> I don't know I don't know his, enough about Puck. I genuinely don't know what his deal is. Everything I know about Puck comes from reading The Immortal Hulk, and his role yeah. in that is mostly to be, like, a government agent. And then not be a government agent and and be like, I want to go on an adventure and support my friends. I really enjoy how how he's written in The Immortal Hulk, but I have no idea if it's consistent with his character or anything else. I just, this is just a shitty ass like uniform, like superhero costume to have, like a black, like rubber body suit thing with like an orange. P on it. It's just a letter P. 
It's very silly. I I think Puck was like um when Captain Marvel was in charge of Sword. I think Puck was like her second in command or something. And she was he, he was also there for like Gamma Flight, which was more recent. Yeah. So he's done some like space stuff. But I don't really know yeah, I I don't remember anything about him really. I didn't know that he was made of rubber, if that's true. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> Like he's 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 kind of like a a, a nice yeah he guy seems the normal one of, about. The t- of the team. Uh, and then there's uh, this First Nations guy whose code name is just Shaman. That seems kind of like that seems very stereotyping. I'm sorry, Mister Claremont. Uh, that yeah, you could you could have do a done a second there. draft oh, on that yeah. one. Sorry, Puck's power is that he's. He's like rubber. That that is what it is. I swear to God, I've never <laughs> seen him use that power. He's just he just has super. He's just a super strength. You're telling me this guy is fucking monkey do Luffy. So he's got compressed. I didn't even know physiology. Whatever. That oh, it's means. like I, he's not a stretchy rubber. He's not the Luffy, but he's just like a he's, rubber. He's ball. a bouncy rubber. Yeah. Well, Luffy also does that. After being compressed, Judd gained the strength to lift up to ten tons. Oh, so he was- he used to be huge. He used to be a huge guy, (laughs) and he was compressed (laughs) down into- into the size he is now, which gave him all his superhuman powers. Because he was compressed. All of- Okay, on the well, Marvel database, <laughs> everything about his powers says after being compressed, Puck gains. Um, <sighs> okay, well, you, you get the point I'm making here, right? Like we have, oh, yeah, no, we have the guy who is the Canadian in the Canadian flag. We have a guy who's compressed and has a huge P on him. Then we have a very stereotypical portrayal of an indigenous shaman. And then we have a white lady who turns into a bird. Like, this is the most, like, if you, t- if you watch, like, some cartoon show and there's, like, within the universe there is, like, a comic book cartoon superhero TV show, that would be, like, e- even the idea of Canada's premier superhero team sounds like, sounds like some sort of parody. It does. I, I, that kind of was the the point i feel like but that doesn't mean that the, it makes them compelling <laughs> like it's but they were sort of a, i mean i don't think anyone writing team. comics in like the 80s thought they were gonna stick around yeah <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna have a comic in 2023 not their first comic either like i think that that um, snow guard is a card in marvel snap as well, the worst but card like, in Marvel. No, Snap. that's a different. No, that's that's a different. Snow oh, that's gar- a different guard. character. Yeah, because okay. this is snow. Because I think that is this is Snowbird. Oh, that that this is, is Snowbird. Different to Snowguard. I think we've made our point about Alpha Flight's yeah. uh, relevance. Here. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Snowbird is also a card in Al- in Marvel Snap, though. Mm. Really? Uh, so I don't think no. there's no, no there's no owl. way any well, of the Alpha Flight characters are in. Yeah, that's this character. She no, that's turns into a big that's owl. exactly what that's exactly the point we're making. Is that this seems to be a duplicate <laughs> character who almost has the exact same name, 
but snow guard can turn into a bird or a bear. This one can only turn into a bird. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. The, the, I think I think snow guard is like um from like northern Canada like an indigenous tribe or something. Okay. Yes. Like um I maybe might be wrong. Whereas um, Snowbird, from what I'm reading here, uh, origins trace back to ancient times when the gods of the north battled the great beasts for the fate of the world. <laughs> All right. That's, that's okay. <laughs> um, you don't want oh, to end up in Canada if you trace back to ancient tied times. To Canada. Um, so she she she's only powerful Rip. within Canada's borders. Um, so Alpha Flight starts off giving this, like, big speech, like, are we sure this is the right thing to do? And, like, saying, like, we've been forced to choose a side in this fight. Will people be mad at us? Will they hate us? And then, like, no, we have to do the right thing. Let's go put on a show. Which can be read ambiguously. Um, like, are they betraying the mutants? Are they pretending to betray the mutants? And that works, like, for me, pretty well as, like, a hook through the rest of this setup issue. Like... Yeah, it was a good issue. I liked the issue a lot. It keeps what could be, like, a very, like, place-setting issue one. Like, it keeps it moving quite nicely, because it's like, oh, are they doing this or are they doing the other thing? And it could go either way. And at the end, it's like, oh, they're saving the mutants. Cool. And by the time you get there, it's set up all the, like antagonists that they will presumably have to fight by the end of this five-issue miniseries. Which include a guy called Box. Yeah, Roger Box Jr., who's the oh, son sorry, of a yes. character I don't know from Alpha Flight. Uh, Apparently he is basically <laughs> just like his dad. Like, like he has robot yes. legs and his dad had robot legs and they make robots uh, and he makes robots like no, his, his dad, dad did. was in a wheelchair oh. and controlled a robot with his mind to fight in oh the yes for him. I, I i forgot that was a but they have page. the same uh degenerative uh condition yeah um yeah, yeah, this is i'm taking all of this from the data page mm-hmm. um, it's a very useful data page there is there is some um, implication that there's hope for Roger Box Jr. because he is like a disability rights advocate and uh, he volunteers a lot. So he might actually be a good guy, but he very much seems like like kind of a little snob uh, yeah. in this issue to yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, he he is doing the what what is traditionally associated with a bad guy action in Marvel, which is creating Sentinels. Um, <laughs> yeah, we don't. That's very bad like guy called it. That's a bad thing to do, IMO. <laughs> the box sentinels, uh, for those that didn't read the issue, are just like a human-sized sentinel instead of being a giant. Um, and they uh, are robots, but they can be controlled directly by Roger Box Jr., um, if need be. Yeah, and I, I believe the intention is partially it states so they can just go through doors rather than just smashing <laughs> yeah, through them. Yeah, so they don't damage a bunch of shit all over Canada, which is a very, like stereotypical like America versus Canada type moment where it's like, well, the Americans are a lot more brash about this this sort of awful thing they're doing, but we our sentinels can walk through doors. Mm. <laughs> Oof. It's very funny to be like, hey, 
you know this you know this like you know this thing that is huge robots let's make them small <laughs> let's make small huge robots <laughs> yeah i um, have i have flipped through this entire issue in search of seeing just a single moment where Pug acts like a rubber ball, but all he does is like fall down. Like all the panels of him is like him like dropping down from up uh, from from like height. He doesn't. While you while I was gone, did you guys figure out whether or not he was made or not? He is. Or not? He we has did. been. He, he used to be a huge guy, and he was compressed down into a rubber ball. He is my favorite superhero of all time. Now I'm going to be. <laughs> For the rest of Alpha Flight, I'm going to be on Packwatch and see if he ever does anything. <laughs> he kind of doesn't do anything in Immortal Hulk that would in any way yeah. indicate what his powers are. He just, like, fights people. Um, but we see that Alpha Flight uh, is fighting people, but we also go to Kali, um, where we see a mutant being um, threatened by Orcus. Um, from who works at like a company that subcontracts from them, and he is a former member of Alpha Flight, um, whose name is gotta go all the way to the back of the issue to see feedback. his name. Feedback. Um, and I was getting a little confused because I thought the fight they were having was over this character, but it's actually not. Feedback stuff is the B plot. Yes. There's one interesting, or like a thing that sort of jumped out for me there is feedback. Uh, fake, faked his death. Um, um, so uh, I, I don't think they're going to do this, but there is a chance he's like in the resurrection queue or something. Mm. And there was <laughs> doubles. X Factor sh- w- should have whatever sorted that out. But um, and I again do not think this is going to come up. <laughs> but I just thought it was interesting that in the era of resurrection he had faked his death successfully uh, apparently um we we then uh we get the non-mutant side of alpha flight fighting the mutant side of alpha flight with a little asterisk where it's like uh we didn't get wolverine for this book but we did get dakin <laughs> well he's dating aurora it makes sense that he's joined it makes a lot of sense oh, yeah. There's yeah, uh, and I love Dak, and I'm glad he's here. Well, he, it's Fang now. He's, uh, yeah, it's there's, Fang I mean, there's a great like bit of there's just like this, 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 this really. Uh, it's you know, um, fucking Joss Whedon, uh, who are uh, writers who are known for writing quippy stuff. Uh, Aaron, whatever his name is from the newsroom. Uh, all those guys can retire Aaron after Sorkin. this incredible back and forth between Dakin and Puck, where <laughs> Dakin drops down on Puck and he says, I have you, short stuff. And then Puck says, Dakin! And then Dakin says, it's Fang now. And then he, his epic one-liner that, that Puck replies back is, sounds dumb. Yeah, and that's it, pitch like, turn. What, what, are you, what are you doing here, kind of? Like, uh, at that point, you can I, just not we, write dialogue. We, that one you can just like have yeah. like di- a dialogue as action scene. They they could have just had a fight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We uh, also there's a this like nemesis character is a recurring character in Alpha Flight and or maybe it was and maybe Great Lakes Avengers. Who there's been like three different nemesis and they all just like die after two <laughs> issues or something. 
Is Nemesis uh, a mutant? I'm sorry if you've already said this. I, we, I don't. We. This is a new character. This is like the fourth Nemesis. Um, the previous three have all died. So we we don't know who this is. Um, uh, and uh, presumably that'll be a reveal, I think. But Or it's just a new character. Uses a magical blade granting superhuman speed, teleportation, time travel, and flight. Oh, time travel? Damn, you got everything. Yeah, I, I guess, like, if the powers are just in the blade, it, it's it, kind of a it magic situation. I, uh, when this character showed up, due to my, uh, as I've demonstrated, my utter lack of knowledge on Alpha Flight and Alpha Flight related characters, I, for, for a brief second, was like, Spawn? Spawn Image Comics? <laughs> it does look yeah. like Spawn Image Comics. I think that might be the joke, the original joke, ah. sort of, is because I think the first Nemesis was in the 90s. Oh, that would make sense. That would um, line up. And again, like, I think died, like, in in the issue they were introduced, or like, the next issue or something. So I, it might have just been a, like, short-lived little parody for a bit of fun, and then... We brought him back again. <laughs> get, move, move on to something else. And then has been brought back two times after that, and now a third it's time. A, it's a fun design. Um, yeah. Let's see where they're going with this. Yeah, I mean, this is, like, all... Uh, is As much as it is to make fun of the Alpha Flight characters, like, I don't think it's a good... It's gonna shape up to be a good, like, political uh, thriller thing with uh, the superheroes against the evil Canadian government. Yeah, which, from my understanding, is a classic of Alpha Flight plots. <laughs> is... Them and what else do they have the to evil Canadian government? Yeah. What else is there in Canada? <laughs> I also think um them the way this story in this issue is set up does kind of lend to like people going into it reading like oh I don't like these characters I think they're a joke um and coming out with a certain level of respect for the the goofier ones of them uh, absolutely because um, that's absolutely how i felt yeah. like i didn't know your game but now i respect <laughs> it <laughs> i i'm not sure this one issue like we haven't really i don't think we really got an idea who any of them are um like you know north star and auroras are gonna be on their sides but like it's not it's not like by the end when they do their uh, oh we were on your side all along, right? It's not like you're like, oh, I, I've gotten to know Puck so well now. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's made me at least interested in, like, from zero knowledge of Alpha Flight to some knowledge of Alpha Flight, I'm like, okay, let's, well, I'll, I'm at least interested to see the rest of the, of the miniseries and more interested than I was when I picked up the issue, which... You yeah, know, that's a success. I'm still fully not sold on Captain Maple Leaf, <laughs> but I will be. Oh yeah, Major Maple Leaf. Yeah, I do think they're kind of um, the fact that it's like Shaman front and center yeah. and uh, talking on the last page. I think they might be making him more of a leader mm. in this, uh, which might be nice because yeah, like he he doesn't 
I don't I don't care about yeah <laughs> vindicator or whatever he's called I'm gonna be I'm gonna be uh, following Puck around everywhere after this like if Alpha <laughs> Flight ends and he ends up on a different team um put him on Yano the X Men moves to Canada <laughs> to look for the real Puck <laughs> he's um he's popped up in a few give like... Puck his solo. <laughs> You know, get get like Chip Starsky to write a to write a puck book. I think that would be. No, I would be delightful. into that. Yeah, Ryan North is also Canadian. I think, right? He could also. Yeah, Ryan North is Canadian. Ryan North, I think, would probably be a good fit for that kind of thing as well. Like yeah. he he does the goofier side of superheroes really well. And from what I've heard from you, the Fantastic Four stuff he's doing is also very good. Yeah. Speaking of goofy stuff, are we ready to talk about Dark X-Men? Oh, there's Let's one go. more beat in this issue which is relevant to Dark X-Men 1, which is when Feedback calls home and uh, his former family sells him out to Orcus without his knowledge. Yes, which it parallels oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. a moment we're going to see in Dark X-Men. Yeah, like I was, um, it's, uh, yeah. Um, again, we get the just, bit where just... some of these comics tread some of the same ground, in part because we're in Fall of X. Um, and uh, broadly, I think this works. I think it's pretty good. One, one last little thing for Alpha Flight is just uh, interesting that they're uh, going to Chandelier. Uh, Shi'ar have a lot of history with mutants. Uh, there's the Hawksbox timeline where, like, the only mutants that still exist are in Shi'ar, and they're basically like a super guardian, like breeding pool, is kind of how it's talked about. Like they are a resource to the Shi'ar, and it happens again in Sins of Sinister as well. Yeah, yeah. So it's like that is not a, a purely altruistic thing that's happening. Uh, they are probably safer there, but just uh, in future, that might be a problem. Um, but yeah, sorry. We can move on to. Oh Dark no, Antonio. you're good. I'm glad you said that because you posted it in the chat, and it's really it's a smart thing to keep keep Chandelier Watch up. <laughs> um. Okay. Dark X Men might have been my favorite book to come out. I don't like to rank shit though, so we're not going to get too deep into it's that. It's up there. Um. But it was written by Steve Fox and drawn by Jonas Scharf. Uh, after Dark Web, Madeline Pryor has opened the Limbo Embassy as an asylum for mutants who don't fit in or have been banned from Krakoa. After the gala, this asylum extends to any mutants left on Earth, and Maddie forms a team of Dark X-Men to save Gimmick, teaming up with Gambit's group of mutants and bringing them back to the Embassy. Um, and it's it's a good issue, and it's split into like an initial Fall of X bit, and then we get a... Uh, uh, what is it called after? Not a prologue, but a postlogue. Prequel. What is that? It's kind of just a, a bonus, yeah. bonus story. Yeah, that's yeah. my one issue. Because I, I agree. I think this is like after... I think Jean Grey is my favorite still out of all of the ones this uh, this episode. But this is like, yeah. like out of all the new ones. But this is like right after that. And then it's like Jean Grey, it's Dark X-Men. Then all of the others. And then Realm of X at the bottom. <laughs> That's that's my broad ranking. Um, I the the one. Well, and Fox is a newer writer when it comes to comics as well. So he's new to the X Office. He said on Cerebro that he has another project in the X Office that isn't announced yet. I have to assume it's gonna be like after 
Well, and he's also writing the um, the Unlimited X Men, which yeah. is on the app. Mm. Yeah, he wrote Along an annual last year. I can't remember. But this is the the one issue. I how do I how do I phrase it? I think the bonus the bonus comic at the end is kind of weirdly placed. Like I think it would be yes. better as just like uh, as a free comic book day uh, that could have come out before this, or as like yeah. a, like an online comic. Like I think having having the prequel like how did he get here that isn't really like it's a cute little story a cute little side story but i think having it come at the end is just doesn't really work for me it, it would have worked well as like an epilogue to dark web maybe yeah. or something yes. like that's sort of where it would fit it, it could have been a, yeah, a, a god style teaser in one of the other x books <laughs> <laughs> yeah just put one page in all of them uh during uh my initial read through i genuinely thought that my la like my uh next week on page you know it's normally the very last page was put in the wrong place i was like oh i got an issue with an error that's fun <laughs> once again fantastic art we keep saying this but this is again like looks this very different from the other art as well this is this is great art i think especially like um Again, we we we've got like very uh, distinct shading and and style, and I think it really really works for this book. Uh, yeah, it's got a gothic vibe. Yeah, that's the that's the word. It's got a, a sort of gothic horror vibe, and that's that's the that's the path of dark X Men. It's dark. Getting into the really insightful commentary. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is kind of, I guess this is kind of the Hellions of this era. <laughs> yeah, it's very much like Hellions. Maybe jumping ahead a little bit here, but like the team that is formed specifically is like direct antagonists to other characters who are main characters of fall titles. Like Emplate is, uh, Monet's brother is was was very evil did, did like they fought each other for a long time and and he also was like possessed her for a while uh, azazel nightcrawler's dad <laughs> uh, has been an antagonist for him a bunch maybe uh, we'll, we'll, we'll maybe see. he's his dad we'll find out soon. Uh, it's very, it's zero. interesting to bring azazel into it now that there's also been an announcement about a new definite version, new retcon definite version of mm. Nightcrawler's backstory that features him, Mystique, and Destiny, <laughs> like they're on the cover. So. Yeah, <laughs> it's also also interesting that like this is in New York where Nightcrawler is going to be and Azazel's interesting. Here. Uh, don't know if okay, so it's probably but it's also, probably going to uh, factor into that somehow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Zero is the last one on the team, who is one of the five lights uh, that Hope finds the first generation of, or the generation Hope, like first mutants that are born after the decimation, or that activate. And he is like the antagonist of the end of Generation Hope, because he's somewhat correctly uh, upset about the fact that Hope can like basically control them. Um, and I haven't seen where his story goes from there because I didn't uh, continue reading the Kirangillan 
stuff there, but he was definitely the the least uh, happy about any any of those five to to be just he wasn't just a clean hero um that links to immortal x-men like hope being a one of the main characters there so this is a different zero to the zero that's in marvel snap i was gonna ask the same thing yes the marvel database tells me that marvel snap zero is uh, a peacekeeping android who becomes the bodyguard of strife Great. Oh. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, so it is X-Men already. I Interesting. Thought, I, I thought Zero was like, a, there's a robot that like attacks Miles Morales at some point. But maybe, I just always think he's the Silver Surfer whenever someone plays him. He does kind of have the, the same. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's a different guy? Yeah. Um, but this Zero doesn't remove the abilities from the next card you play. He's a little freak who loves Flash. He is very, very directly just uh, the end of Acura. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, you're so right. I didn't that connect is, that. That's so good. That That is what they do in Generation Hope is like, they go to Tokyo and he is becoming a big Flash monster and then they make jokes about how he's Acura. Oh. Like, Good so, stuff. Um, <clears throat> this makes... But going back now to I the, understand Zero. Oh, sorry. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> okay, going back to the beginning of the issue, um, the key thing at the very beginning, besides seeing a little bit of the limbo, um, now I can't remember the word for... Embassy. 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 Um, we see that Madeline has created what she's calling the Mercy Crown, um, Cerebone, people have been calling it <laughs> online. <laughs> That's fun. Okay. Um, Demon Cerebro is what I wrote it as in my notes. That is what uh, Havoc calls it in the oh, issue. Oh, that explains um, it. Yep, here it is, right here. <laughs> it, it, it whips ass, I think this rules. <laughs> and, uh, again, another character not giving up like <laughs> Professor X did. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a really cool design. And we go from there to seeing um, what gimmick has been up to since we last saw her in the Marvel Voices issue she was in. We've um, already had that Marvel Voices on... issue. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what she's been up to there, but I'm, I'm very glad to, to get the Children of the Atom characters back. Yeah, I like, I, especially her, at the end of the yes. series, like, I liked her the most out of all of the characters. I think that was intentional. On the oh, part. yeah. <laughs> I think we're supposed to. Um, but uh, she's, like, hiding from, like, Children of the Atom friend to friend's house, and uh, her girlfriend Buddy's father ends up turning her in to try and protect Buddy. And then as he's saying that on the page, they're literally shooting at Buddy. <laughs> and gimmick um i think they're using non-lethal means but you don't know that while you're reading that and we only see like when she is in the like paddy wagon um that um we find out buddy's okay and she is rescued by maggot gimmick or not gimmick maggot gambit and archangel yes i really love gambit's like caltrops with the uh that's a fun fun one to do yeah this is my my favorite thing about this issue is that 
Gambit is just really cool here. He's like the most morally upright of all of the characters too, which is yeah. really hard to do with Gambit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just feel like in in like most of the fall stuff, he was it was too tied up to Rogue. Like he was a bit too much of a wife guy all the time. <laughs> uh, I'm just glad to see yeah, him just like to get... be really cool here again. <laughs> He started to get a bit of an arc in um, Excalibur, but I think that ended up getting wrapped yeah. up before it happened. Like, they were probably going to... Teeny was probably going to write more of that in Knights of X, and then it had to be five issues instead yeah, of an ongoing it, series. It seems like there was a lot more planned for that, and then he got tarot-carded, and they sort of fast-forwarded through a lot. Um, yeah. Yeah. And they end up fighting Arthur, who's a cyborg Wolverine... Um and uh, from X Force they own from from X Force yeah, and they're only able to save gimmick with the help of the rest of the Dark Avengers who we've already talked about. I genuinely think it's really cool that Steve Fox here is like pulling like these little bits from like other like with the Children of the Atom stuff and with like taking the Wolverine robots back. Like it it gives a nice bit of synergy with the Krakoa stuff that I feel like has been missing post Hickman sometimes. Uh, just, just love to see it. I, I didn't remember where this Wolverine <laughs> was from, and then looked it up and was like, "Oh, this was in." I, I thought this was something from like no. ten years ago, <laughs> but yeah, okay. Um, I guess I just didn't remember that bit of X Force. Very understandable. It's, long. <laughs> it's a long series that we've been reading for a long time. <laughs> um, the. The arrival of the the Madeline Pryors, the X Men, is really good. I really like this this page of like two Orcus dudes just falling out of the sky, uh, as as whatever is Azazel bamps around, and Madeline Pryors there in her like ragged cloak and a scythe, with the like the two most fucked up looking guys behind her and Havoc <laughs> as well. And it's just like, yeah, this is this is the Dark X Men. Hell yeah! <laughs> they're they're here to like just again just murder people. Just have it having the goofiest costume is is just it just always mm-hmm. gets me. Like it it, it kind of makes sense in like the sixties, like but but it's like it has barely been updated. Like it still has the things on his head. It's just. He looks very silly in the context of this, like, dark theme. Yeah, I kind of love it. I kind of love that Havoc's costume has never really, like, had a stylish update. Yeah. It's... I think it really suits his character that he looks goofy all the time. (laughs) I I love that he does, like, one attack and then just gets stabbed (laughs) immediately. And, like, he's... He's he's a loser. Havoc's, like, the best fail brother you're ever gonna get in comics. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, Gambit uh, telling Havoc he's running with a rough crew is a fun, that's that's a good stuff. Uh, no it's mercy. A, it's, it's a cool ongoing bit of like Havoc, like in this and the, and the mini story as well of Havoc just always being like but we agreed we're, you're not gonna kill people anymore if it's not necessary. It's so good. And she just always is ignoring yeah. it. It's, it's re- we'll get into that more in the, like, back issue bit, but, like, 
on the, on this page. Yeah, yeah, babe. Next week, I promise. Um, we have Maddie saying, "No mercy, my X Men," as she like demonifies a car to eat an orcish soldier, and then Havoc like turns around. And it's like Maddie, we talked about this. <laughs> Please, no God, the fucking. The, and then he gets the carpet the is so good. Yeah, and. Albert also stabs Archangel, and he is captured by Orcus. She turns the car into the, this horror creature, and the car says, there's a speech bubble coming out of the car saying, <laughs> yeah. yum yum. <laughs> I, I think this this comic, I think, puts the, the sort of, like, uh, silliness of the sort of, like, excessively dark and goofy nature of these characters in a really good place. Um, I think it's yeah, in a very a similar balance. way to it feels It feels a lot like watching a, a, a sort of B-tier horror film, you know? And, like, Maddie, like, telekinetically just, like, breaking all of Albert's bones is, like, also really nasty. Yeah, and the Zero just fucking melts on, uh, on, on Albert. Like, Yeah, he's just absorbing him. What a freak. What a team of freaks. Yeah, he's, Love them. They, they're there. And like and having uh, Maggot as well as just like one one of the, the freaks that actually managed to be in it on or like he's 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 been a, a, a normal good guy, but now he's he's been forced into these <laughs> yeah. uh, with these guys like um, yeah. I'm I'm a fan of this being I know nothing about the lore of nearly any of these characters apart from Maddie and Havoc. And the the, the good thing about Dark X-Men 1, at least, is I don't have to. All I have to know is they're fucked up little guys doing fucked up little things. And it, it works. Yeah. It, it, it really works for me. Um, we get Warren taken to a sinister black site. Uh... Yeah, I'm. I'm sure that'll be here at the end of the issue. I'm, I'm sure they <laughs> they won't use his like healing blood for anything. Bad. I'm sure he won't like get his wings cut off or anything. Uh, like that never happens to him when when Again. we get a Dark X Men yeah. story. <laughs> um, and there's a sort of reveal at the end here, uh, where we get the the Goblin Queen from. Battle world? Question mark? Uh, I think the Goblin Queen has been about recent. Goblin Queen is like... Uh, or, there's another, there's Goblin, another Goblin Queen, Queen in like Spider-Man called the stuff. Queen Goblin, who is in the Spider-Man stuff, who is a scientist who absorbed Norman Osborn's sins after they were taken out of him by the Sin Eater. That is unrelated to Madeline yeah. Pryor, Goblin Queen. Okay, I... <laughs> I thought this was the same goblin. No, okay. she is a villain That's of Ben cool. Riley, who is Chasm, who has a direct role in Dark Web directly before this, but she's completely unrelated. And he's in this issue. He's in this issue, but this isn't that goblin queen. This is an alternate version of Madeline Pryor, from what I can tell. Unrelated to the Spider-Man villain, Queen Goblin, who was created when by by Norman Osborn's sins glooping onto a scientist. His literal manifestation of his sins. Yeah. <laughs> Comics, Comics are, are great. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I've been like 
I have not been able to take in any new information since I learned that Puck has been live but compressed <laughs> down. <laughs> this is the only thing in my brain uh, if there's now. There's one thing our listeners take away from, from this episode is that Puck was once a large man who was compressed down. <laughs> he's, he's a large man the size of a small man. <laughs> Do you guys talk about Super Demon Maddie? That's 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 what, that's we, what we were talking about. Because okay, that's I agree. Yeah. Queen Did stuff. you say who she, who she was? Because she's I like think she's... the most evil Maddie ever from another universe. That's what they said in the Dark X Men interview on Supergirl. Uh, uh, I th- I I thought she was the Battle World Madeline Pryor because I've recently read through a bunch of Secret Wars stuff, and she looks a lot like the Battle World Madeline Pryor, who rules Inferno. She could also be that same Madeline. I don't know if she's popped up more than once. But... Yeah, it's um... it's it's alternate Madeline Pryor, uh, a more evil and more fucked up one. Um, and then the, did you guys talk about the epilogue? No, nope. because that's where we're I don't at think now. we need to talk a lot about this. Uh... It's a week in a life of Cable working at the embassy. He's Cable, <laughs> a week in the life of um. Hey, you're in the Havoc. right family. Name. You're in the Summers family. <laughs> it's a week in Havoc's life where he essentially runs the embassy without Madeline because she's got too much shit to deal with in Limbo. Um, there's not a lot of important stuff that happens. We do see the chasm moment um, where we find out that he's staying in Limbo. We get a nice little moment with basically every character that has claimed Limbo as their own, and there's a moment where Maddie and uh gimmick make eye contact from the wimp from the window there's a very funny final panel that's all i i have to say about this one oh, where... yeah. um i also really like uh friday's page where uh cyclops and jean gray appear to have come to dinner at the limbo embassy for a double date and madeline just isn't there and scott's like hey alex you have a thought about coming back to krakoa <laughs> Uh, and he's like, no, I'm happy here. And it's like, okay. The plates like, are, balls are, are just full though? of goop. Cyclops is like, maybe you might even want to rejoin the X-Men. Like, I, uh, and, and he's cut off by Gene, either because Gene is understanding of what Havoc's up to, or Gene just doesn't want Havoc on the team. Gene, Gene doesn't want him no. back. <laughs> I don't remember what he did on the X-Men, like, in, in Duggan's run, but that's fine. The last thing I remember Havoc doing was in Hellions, I think. Yeah. I mean, he's much more interesting in Hellions than he oh, was Oh, he was in, in X-Men. X-Men. Yeah. Yeah, he was, he was, was on the that. team. Yeah, he's an X-Men after yeah. He was on the team for one yeah. year, but I don't remember anything he did there. He had, like, a fight with Cyclops at one point. That's, that's all I remember. Yeah. Uh, and then we get to Sunday and the, the the their romantic date slaying demons, and he's like, "Is this romantic, Madeline?" And she's like, "Well, do you want to prove how much you love me, Alex? Go murder some demons for me." Uh, and we get the goofiest expression that I've seen in in a full month of comics. Uh, it sells the expression, but it is also goofy. It's 
incredibly yeah. bizarre. <laughs> I, <laughs> it's super I just funny. <laughs> uh, probably use it as the episode there so you can all look at it. I, because I don't have words to describe this expression. It's good. I think it works despite the goofiness. Yeah. Um, like the, the expression is just like, the doy, I love yeah, my wife. I love my murderous <laughs> wife who won't stop killing. <laughs> I love my evil wife. No, it, it really does. I just wish it had been like placed at a different uh, comic, but that's what we got. I think like once there's going to be like collected editions, they'll probably like put it like at the beginning or at the end of Dark Web or, you know. Um, Havoc, Havoc is in, in Alex Summers' mind. He is constantly, every day, saying, I can fix her, um, to, to, to Madeline Pryor as, as, as she wakes up next to him, and she, every day, ignores him and kills someone. <laughs> she, she says, I can make myself worse. You need to fix yourself first, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The cover for Realm of X, I believe, is drawn by Stephanie Hans, who uh, yes. I think is a really great artist. Realm of X by Torin Gronbeck and Diogenes Diogenes Nevis. A group of mutants has found themselves in Vanaheim, one of the ten North Norse realms. They save a group of humans uh, from some trolls, and Magic learns that she has lost the use of her powers. Curse runs off and is abducted by Saturnine while it is revealed to the rest of the mutants uh, that a prophecy about a white witch attacking Vanheim and four strangers playing a part in its protection, strangers being Mirage, Dust, Typhoid Mary and Marrow, um, and there's another person who is an agent of chaos. Um, Who's Curse? Uh, We we like Curse. It might be Curse. It's ambiguous. Oh, it it could yeah. be magic, I think, as well. Oh yeah, that would definitely my, make sense. Uh, yeah. um, my theory in that is that I don't care. <laughs> this I don't like Realm of X. Um Janos did not like Realm of X. I did not like Realm of X. <sighs> uh, I liked Realm. <laughs> I liked it fine, but also I read it once uh, and a few hours ago and I don't really like I didn't take it in as much as I would like this was the one where I was like I'm not gonna read this again like I was struggling to even get this through it in the first place this is a five issue mini right yes. yes this is another five issue mini and look Dark is as well right? it has some so. great characters yeah, on yeah, the team that I like you know that's I, the biggest draw I love magic everyone loves magic um Mirage is great uh it, <laughs> It's it's Here's always nice to see Dust. I think Dust is a character that just could do with more screen time, and yeah. it's nice that she gets some. It's got a great cast. I think Typhoid Mary's fun in the issue, Typhoid too. Typhoid Mary is great. I um, didn't we even know... Uh, fucking what type? Oh, sorry. Continue. Yeah. Kingpin was wondering where she is, so now we know. And she's horny for someone else already. Of course. <laughs> she's like, oh, this is your place? You got a castle? My thing with this issue is that I don't know what happened in it. I found it incredibly hard to follow or care. Uh, it's I have this sometimes when it just goes 
Uh, and I had a similar issue. Not so much. I enjoyed Excalibur up to a point. Like it got too convoluted to me at the end. And then with Knights of X, I was like fully out. I had a similar issue with uh, Orlando's Marauders. Is that sometimes things can get things can get like overwhelmingly fantasy bullshit to me. It's like in a whole new place, a whole bunch of new characters, and it's not. None of it feels like distinct enough or none of it feels like grounded enough that I'd be like, okay, that's something I can latch on to. Like there's just like a bunch of like kind of generic fantasy stuff that is just everywhere. I just like truly do not care about. I'm sorry. Um, did the data page on the use of prophecy in warfare not draw you back in? <laughs> <laughs> multiple paragraphs of theoretical Jesus use of divination Christ. as a strategic tool. I just, uh, yeah, I just like flip through to get to it, and it's like in the smallest <laughs> font. Like this is, this is reading. Um, this is homework. Uh, I, I, it's I, cool, I have a, a, an an affliction that makes me love this. Um, uh, I, I see the prophecy in warfare page. And like, see that there's like multiple paragraphs of small, small font text talking about the way that divination was used in warfare in the fantasy realm, and and I'm like, I'm in, I'm all in. I could have read five pages of the uses of divination <laughs> in fantasy warfare. I I think it's like a very cool, like yeah. Thing to think about yeah <laughs> like is it good comic books i don't know is it my shit yes <laughs> my hope personally is that now that all of that fantasy bullshit has been established and is out of the way we can get a little more into focusing on the plot and giving us a little bit of a reason um to care about what's going on in vanaheim beyond like our characters that we know because I think that's my main criticism of like a story like this, is they've been sent to a place that essentially doesn't matter to us, the reader, at all. And so I need a little more to care about Vanaheim itself. Yeah. Um, uh, it, it is also a symptom of the fact that the first X-Men comic I read was an Otherworld comic, like in the middle of an arc. And I also started out reading... Uh, like Jason Aaron's Thor run, which swings through Vanaheim every now and then. Like my tolerance for fantasy bullshit in everything, and specifically comic books, is very high. <laughs> you have a high tolerance for fantasy bullshit and a higher tolerance for Jason Aaron. <laughs> it's the the funny thing is that like two of my other podcasts I do are about fantasy book series, but also like Discord and A Song of Ice and Fire are like relatively removed from like you know like they're very oh Discworld uh, cuts out a lot of the bullshit of fantasy yeah. bullshit it, it, it revolves around characters in a big way Song of Ice and Fire is don't you have three podcasts about fantasy books <laughs> you also have oh the and I also did one, see that's the right? thing like we also that's, did that's uh, a and Heartspell where you're literally writing <laughs> fantasy books <laughs> we also well we also did the podcast on the Kingkiller Chronicle and you know we hated that shit like, yeah, yeah, I listened to the first we episode were, of that. Uh, I think that's also an outlet for me to complain about fantasy bullshit. <laughs> uh, 
I mean, like, X-Men at the base... The, the thing is, superhero comics at its base concept is already, like, fantasy enough for me. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, like, it, this, this is, like, three layers of fantasy bullshit. <laughs> we've got a prophecy, we've got Vanaheim, we've got the Fall of X stuff. Uh, yeah. Um... Curse is the best part of this issue. Curse is a fun character with an interesting mutant power that works really well in the realm of fantasy bullshit. Her her power is a fantasy bullshit mutant power, and now she's in a fantasy bullshit mutant comic. And I think it really works. Curse is the best part of this for me. Yeah, I've 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 been slowly making my way through the X x-men unlimited stuff and you know all, all the curse stuff with the x-men green is great just like this evil evil little girl who likes to fuck people up and uh it's just like ah nature girl you're becoming so evil i love that let's <laughs> let's hang out it's i would not good. call a single thing nature girl does no, 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 no. evil curse is literally curse is saying that oh yeah yeah I'm yeah not that's fair that. it's been a few weeks since i read it <laughs> i i don't know i liked curse's stuff and i thought there were some good character moments oh also like mutant watch moment um we see two members of the five in the background of one of the vanaheim sh- shots when they're all having dinner um, it's Elixir and and Egg are oh, there, yeah. and um, maybe an error because it looks like Hope is there, or maybe they're just like pretending Hope is there with them, <laughs> and they made a little <laughs> wig and crown deal. Huh? No, uh, that's or uh, yeah, weird. I like hmm. to think it's Proteus in a Hope body because he got sick of being in Professor X's bodies. <laughs> I that's the thing I've been thinking about this week for whatever reason is Proteus being in Professor X's bodies because as far as I know Professor X might be Proteus's dad and I would hate to live in a series of my father's bodies like ugh gross oh, Proteus has a lot of <laughs> issues you know and yeah <laughs> one day but they can grow someone else maybe he's just been growing like I don't know what Proteus's deal is um I, yeah, I don't know enough about his deal. I want to learn more, I guess, is where I'm at mm. with him. <laughs> I, I think it's it, uh, one, like, I, I really like that everyone is still in their Hellfire Gala outfits oh, for yeah. this whole comic. It's very fun. Um, and da- Danny's hair, like, stands up when she's doing her... Pe- oh, my tablet just ran out of battery. <laughs> <laughs> um... But, uh, yeah, there's some shots where, like, Danny has, like, two sort of hair, like, fringe things coming down, and they, like, stand up when she's using her power, and it looks cool. Or it might just be, like, you know, meant to be wind, but, uh, that was a cool one. Uh, just in general, I didn't love the art on this, like, I think, I don't know, like, it's fine. It's, it's like, I average. Think it- it, it suffers a bit because so much of the art that we've seen this week is just so good. Yeah. Yeah, like, I I don't like some of the faces in this. Like, just a lot of the faces look scrunched up. I don't know. Yeah, I think the artists or the colorists, they might be having, like, some miscommunication with proportion. Um... Or, like, I don't know, I, like, always want to just, like, 
as an artist, take it, take the fault away from that person and, and put it on the process. Um, especially because comics have to be drawn so quickly. Um, but I think especially, it's especially noticeable with Curse that often her face looks too big for her head. I, I agree with that. Um, and that's my art criticism for the book. I think it does look really good. This artist is more talented than I am. Uh, not to put myself down. That's not my intent. I'm just saying they're incredible. But there are some some minor things that are no. I mean, just in general, I want to I want to say like you know for this and the future of this podcast is that I believe that getting it, there's there's millions of people out there doing art and getting a job like at Marvel to draw comics. It's already there's going to be some percentage of luck and maybe knowing the right people. But I think, in general, all the and the same thing, the same thing for writing, right? Like there's ton of people out there who want to write comics, and I think close to everyone working at Marvel is probably really good at art or really good at writing, and a lot of the times when we say something sucks or something is bad. A lot of that is due to either some production supply chain stuff or, you know, as you said, miscommunication or sometimes a writer is going to be put on a book that isn't really what their forte is. Like there's going to be bad stories written by people who have other like amazing stuff. So, you know, if, if, I, if we criticize shit here, it's not to put down these people it's just the end product has like certain issues well and like i may occasionally from time to time come across as more hesitant to put those out without counterbalancing it with the positives and that's more because of my personal history with having been through art school and been characterized and having literally been the person in the classroom who was the biggest asshole when it comes to Mm -hmm. critique and just the meanest to my classmates and, like, trying to grow beyond that and find, like, a little bit, like, I lean into the sandwich method yeah. where you say something nice, you say something mean, and you say something nice again. Um, but, um, like, I don't like, I, I wouldn't be bothering with this podcast if I didn't like all of this shit to a certain degree, you know? So, like, I do think we have a little bit of wiggle room to be meaner here and there. Um, but I also want to just be nice because that's the vibe I'm looking for in my own head yeah. right now, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, I also just don't uh, want to be, I, I like... I do appreciate... Yeah, oh, I was going to say, I do appreciate when when you guys go off, because <laughs> I, I'd love to hear it. <clears throat> um, okay, I think that, unless we have any other thoughts on Realm of X... Um, I... I feel like I might have more thoughts uh, when the second issue comes sure. out. And I'd probably reread this for a I, couple of times. But I yeah. dread <laughs> having to keep reading more of this. Like, this is... Uh, <laughs> I, if I was reading this for myself, I would probably drop it here. I'd be like, I can have one book that I don't follow. But, you know, we'll see. We're just going to give Yano such a 20-minute break <laughs> episode while we talk about Ralph. I'm going to try to keep reading this shit, and maybe I'll have uh, more things to say. Or if not, uh, I'm sure the listeners love to hear someone go off. <laughs> um, I Before we talk about recommendations or other Marvel bullshit, we've read really quickly, because it's been three-plus hours on the pod already. 
Um, I'm going to say what we're going to be talking about next episode real quick. Uh, we'll be talking about Miss Marvel, The New Mutant, number one, X-Men 26, Immortal X-Men 15, and we will be talking about Immortal Thor. Uh, we saved it because we have less books to talk about, even though I think we're all pretty excited to talk about it. I don't know if I have a lot to say about it, but I am excited yeah. to talk about it. I still it. haven't oh, actually nice. read it. Well, so, you're in for a treat. It's good. You'll like do it. <laughs> yeah. do that now, it's, not an, it's not an X book, but I think like every once in a while when we have only a few issues we can talk about a yeah we can uh, we can go read some other things Ali Wing has done I feel and like, compliment yeah. him some more <laughs> I think maybe once uh, fucking Ultimate Invasion has like wrapped up it's gonna be worth talking about as a whole if it yeah. works if it leads maybe to anything gods, which it, we've it had, is supposed to yeah we could we could tease that we're gonna read gods at the end of every episode like they're doing at the end of every comic <laughs> Well, like, give the equivalent of one page. It's like, Jonathan Hickman wrote this book. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Jonathan the, Hickman wrote this part of the podcast where we talk about gods. <laughs> yeah. We, we put just that like... on the front of our podcast issue. We, get, we put the little god sticker at the things. <laughs> a, a tease for a gods podcast. <laughs> it's just so funny to imagine, like, Hickman writing gods and then also being caught up by Marvel be like, Hey, can you write, like, um, one page for Uncanny Avengers? <laughs> can you throw out some crumbs? He's had to write so many one-page things. Like, I hope they just uh, collect them all and put them in, like, a... Uh, put it on Unlimited as an issue, you know? They, they gotta. Because then I'll actually read them all. Um... My recommendation is the uh, image comic series Die, written by Karen Gillan and drawn by Stephanie Hans. Um, if you liked the cover of Realm of X, oh boy, you might like Die because it's a whole comic drawn by Stephanie Hans. It's absolutely beautiful. It's about a bunch of kids who got trapped in a D&D world 20 years ago, then they got back they're adults now, and they've been sucked back in, and it's a really bad time for everyone involved. Um, it rules. Uh, I think it's great. Um, if you like TTRPGs and the history of them, and comic books, this is a perfect intersection of that. It sounds like if you've seen the D&D animated series that you would like that, because it sounds like a sequel to it, that. It, it is, uh, that is an inspiration. Like, if you if you wish that was, like, fucked up and, and a bit a bit twisted. I do. Um, a little bit dark-sided and, and, and edgy, um, you, you might just enjoy Die. Uh, again, though, the art is stunning. Uh, Stephanie Hans, a brilliant artist. I think the I think the actual RPG based on the system used in that book is currently in like beta or something. Like yeah, it's a really weird RPG. It's a it's 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 one I definitely want to to play with some people at some point because it's it's really interesting. Uh, I I I would second die. Uh, it's really fucking good. I have the like hardcover that's like the whole twenty issue run in one thing. Uh, uh, but uh, my recommendation is I thought I was going to read a bunch of comics and books on uh, holiday and then I ended up like doing other stuff and like 
going to the beach. Um, but, uh, no, uh, well, my recommendation is uh, The Well, which is a graphic novel by Jake Wyatt and the art by Chu, who you may know from Twitter. I love Jake Twitter. Wyatt. He's so good. Um, I, I don't know if I've actually read any other Jake Wyatt stuff, but Chu is someone... He's also an someone... artist. Uh, yeah, I think I, I knew that. Chu is someone who is like on Twitter and I've just been following for years and that. does really cool art. Yeah, it's so good. And I uh, sort of didn't realize that they had done a actual graphic novel. And uh, when then I, I was curious how that would translate to a full, uh, you know, 170 pages. And the answer is it translates really well. Their art is like fantastic, always like great expressions, great like piece of action. Um, and it's a, a cool story as well. It's like a sort of island community. Uh, the main character steals some coins from a wishing well. So then she has to make those wishes come true or be cursed and killed by the well, basically. Um, and it's like there's it's cool stuff with like with like about the community and sort of uh how you know how wishes what they mean to people when when they do these wishes and uh again just the art is so good <laughs> i really really like choose art um yeah and it's it's on an island so there's a beach so <laughs> there's my link uh I, i'm gonna shout out mind management by matt kent uh written and drawn by him uh it's one of those things where like discovering what it's about is like part of the joys i don't want to say too much plot stuff other than it's about like because you learn this on basically the first page that it's about an secret agency of uh, psychics basically of people with psychic powers and uh, the specifics are like it's really interesting like it's really creative uh, ways uh, in which in which they come out and the way the story is built it's um, it's one of those it's I think it's similar it's 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 one of those comics like kind of like uh like with Div, where like you kind of like there's all these hints at the beginning where like once you learn more you go back and then you discover like new things so it's just like really intricately done and uh the art is very a lot of people hate the art i think it's good it's very like sketchy like it, it looks like a sketchbook like it looks like it's not like been inked or whatever it's very it's an acquired taste, um, but I, I do think it's it's like genuinely like like you can see I've seen someone complain on uh, about how it looks like it was drawn by a child and it does not like a child cannot draw like panel layouts like that and like the blocking <laughs> like that like it is skillfully done but like very uh, y- very unique and very like something you wouldn't see in like a mainstream like big two comic. Um, so the one thing I say is if you don't read the trades, if you read issue by issue, don't start with issue number zero because issue number zero is supposed to come after first arc. 
after issue six uh, in the trades that's collected in that way. So don't don't spoil yourself by by starting with zero. Um, I know one thing about mind management, and it's that they made a board game of it. Yes, I know nothing more than that. The other thing I I looked into what else Matt Kint did, and apparently he wrote a comic book together with Keanu Reeves. Good stuff. <laughs> oh, that's is that Berserker, the like, yeah. Berserker? I I feel like I keep seeing that, or like I saw it in the comic shop the other day, or like, yeah, I'm like, okay, it, you, this, the character on the cover of this yeah. is just Keanu Reeves, <laughs> also. All right, Nick, fire away. My recommendation this week is a graphic novel. It's Craig Thompson's Blankets. Um, which is one of my favorite graphic novels of all time. If you've heard of comics, you've probably heard of Blankets. Um, it's sad every time I'm sad, like real sad. I'll go and read it again. I've read it. <laughs> um, but I also think it has a lot of interesting things to say about being raised religiously, being raised with a shitty dad, which is a theme I'm going to constantly bring up on this podcast. And um, also, like I think um, the moment in it with uh, two characters with Down syndrome is one of the best depictions I've ever seen of people with Down syndrome. Um, just the reason I feel comfortable commenting on that is I've worked with people with uh, developmental disabilities for a long time. Um, and I just think he does a good job in that issue. Um, or in that book. Uh, and then my my anti-recommendation is I just want to complain about... <laughs> this. Uh, he's... It starts with an ancient avengers and i just thought like right out of the get-go that's a bad idea <laughs> and it, it it is it doesn't it just doesn't work <laughs> um and he keeps like trying to be like oh we there have always been avengers and like kind of redefining certain things in the marvel universe um in a way that like i think is regressive and takes away from other stories I read and that's really why I was really annoyed with Jason Aaron's <laughs> um Avengers series. There are some good character moments in it. The art's incredible. I I downloaded a bunch of issues and then my internet went out and so I had like really nothing else <laughs> to read. <laughs> um but like I'll probably finish it. I still have like what, what, fifty issues. It was like, yeah, it's like rest. a sixty yeah. issue it's run. Sixty-six issues. I think I've read nineteen. Jeez, that's, there's other that's books a out there. There's other books out there. I'm gonna read other shit first. You... Uh, I started reading Strike First, more Muratorio, which is like an '80s comic, mm-hmm. which is really good too. Um, have you finished Hickman's but, yeah, Fantastic Ch- Four? You started reading that. No, I'm still yeah, reading that. I'm still reading that. Wicked really and Divine. I'm just reading like a little bit oh, yeah, of each I'm, of these each the week as like yeah. a, a treat. Um, uh, so there's a lot of good comics in my life. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not mad about it. <laughs> um, until next time, remember, Puck is made of rubber, <laughs> or he's a large man the size he's of a small man. He's being compressed down. <laughs> he used to be he's large. He's a large man. Now he's small. This has been Hated and Feared. Uh, our intro and outro music is Welcome to My Island by Carolyn Polachek. Um, you can find us on any podcatcher you can think of, even if we're not there. Look harder. Um, write us a review on Apple. You can't find us on any social media ever, even if we're on them. 
and resist. Yeah, definitely not on Blue Sky, or uh, definitely not Janusz that Blue Sky. That's so sure. That's the only. <laughs> yeah, def- definitely not Nick Vern dot Blue Sky. <laughs> I, I got that Blue Sky code, but I haven't used it yet. <laughs> yeah, Holly, I have one for you too if you want it. Um, I I'm not in. I'm not interested in adding social medias. No, you're good. Yeah, <laughs> you're valid. Fair, yeah, I'm very fair. glad to not use Twitter anymore. Like that's that's my that's true. main that thing about nice. it. Resist. 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 And resist. How do you know this will work? Have a little faith, Rogue. Hey, what's up? Just a time back. I need to cool off. Losing your touch, Puck. Nice trick, but it's wasted on a psychic. I'm going back with the X-Men. I don't care what you do. <laughs> I am my father's daughter in the end He says watch your ego, watch your head girl You're so smart, so talented But now the water's turning red And it's all your fault and it's all your mess And you're all alone You can't go to bed too high on your adrenaline You gotta go somewhere where you can't pretend Go forget the rules, forget your friends Just you and your affection Cause nothing's gonna be the same again No, nothing's gonna be the same again